right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. We have the uh, full freight, all five of us here. Uh, just everyone, go ahead, all at the same time, just say, introduce yourselves all at once. Hey, this is Neil. Yeah, well done. <laughs> all right. Solly here across the table, new podcast studio, the guy that put it together, Mr. Neil Schuster. Thanks for having me. Um, Trinaldo, fresh off of vacation, welcome back. Hello, I feel awful. <laughs> You're supposed to be rejuvenated after a vacation. I got, Alex got altitude sick. I got, I got the flu now. Oh God, this studio is too tight. Yeah, for, why are you sitting next to flu. me? I don't. I don't think it's the flu. Okay, big guy. Uh, overdose on vitamin C, sweet <laughs> out there in Telluride. Mr. Randy. Hello, Solly. I am Randy. Uh, And uh, Mr. Pye? Hey, how are you? I'm wonderful. All right, this podcast episode is going to be a bit of our preview for Taurus Sauce Season 5, which is hitting the airwaves uh, one week from the uh, launch of this podcast. It will first episode will be Tuesday, January twenty eighth, I believe. Allegedly, allegedly, season five is presented by Original Penguin, uh, a new partner of ours. You will see us uh, decked out in Original Penguin clothing during the season, which was in the Carolinas, a division between South and North Carolina. But uh, first, before we get going, let's give a shout out to Original Penguin. I'm wearing it right now. This is completely unintentional. I just find myself wearing it on a nearly daily basis. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Uh, I've Candidly, didn't know a ton about it before we started uh, talking about the about doing a deal. The merch star did a deal uh, with Original Penguin, and uh, yeah, I've been wearing it like since we got back. I, I love well, it. Tell great the, fit, tell great the, different variants of styles. Tell the folks uh, your, your family history. Oh, well, my grandmother was a uh, a seamstress at Original Penguin in Little Falls, Minnesota. How about that? Munsingwear out of here. Munsingwear, yeah, yeah. Making uh, underwear for the making GIs. underwear for the GIs. So you're welcome. That's Otherwise, cool. you'd all be speaking German right now without for that. <laughs> That's pretty so, cool. Uh, yeah, so cool, uh, cool history, but yeah, cool, cool clothes. I, you know, it's been it's been a thrilling. Fulfilling partnership. Great uh, party boy shirts. It's a, a lot wide of, range of shirts. A lot of patterns. You can go subtle and you can go That's not so subtle. I was going to say, the fact that you can pull out something for the Merch Czar uh, party boy look and the conservative Randy, uh, you know. They have plenty of blues for solid. I plenty have like of blues. 18 different blues. Tron's so, able to flex both ways. Uh, you know, he's got a lot, a, of pattern a, pants. a lot of pattern pants, a lot of subtle stuff. It's it goes great. both ways. True actual quote from my fiance the first time I put one of the shirts on, she, the quote was, I, I can't believe it. You look like you actually have style. That's actually that? a real thing that happened. So that congratulations. I've been dealing with that ever since then. Maybe that's why I find myself wearing it so often. But uh, awesome partner work to work with. You're going to be hearing a lot more from them uh, over the coming months. Uh, we're really excited about this season. This was a quick little road trip. We did. Uh, we actually broke it up into two parts, which helped a lot, I think, for us personally. Um, you will see a, a wide range of golf courses, one private one, some high-dollar public ones, uh, some medium-dollar public ones, and some low-dollar public ones and some lowest of low dollar public ones uh, that involve just the putting portion of the game of golf, which may be our favorite episode of all of them. Yeah, fingers crossed on that. Uh, The premise for this season, we're not going to spoil any of the action that happened on it, but each person... Uh, all the fi- each of the five of us were given one hundred one dollar bills to bet with, and that has to last you the entire season. 
and there's some stakes involved with it, uh, which will be detailed in the series. But basically, first one out has to do something pretty embarrassing. The winner of it all gets the money, has to do something pretty cool with the money. Uh, at least one third of the money has to be spent in in some public way, which I believe is a suggestion made with the FedEx Cup money. Five exactly. million needs to be spent. It's kind of a be the change you wish to see in the world exactly. situation. So uh, the course lineup uh, goes from Secession to Kiowa. And then we have a Caledonia True Blue episode. Those are both going to be the same episode. Uh, then we are going to be having the Putt-Putt episode and then the Wilmington Municipal course. Uh, then we made our way to Pinehurst. We played number three at Pinehurst, number four at Pinehurst. We divided and conquered between Mid Pines, Pine Needles, and Southern Pines. Uh, then we came to Pinehurst too and finished at Tobacco Road. So that is season five. Why don't we go straight to the first golf course? Who's going to kick us off is the Strat Boy at the private golf course secession. Listen, In, I had insistent that we visit the private <laughs> well, golf course. Well, there was course. some outreach uh, to a newsletter that I put out with an invite to secession. As these guys like to joke, I had an issue calling it succession. Uh, you were deep with the Roy family had, for a while. I, I had an issue or still well, had now an it's issue. a bit. Now okay. it's a bit. I couldn't tell if it was a bit or not. Well, at first it probably wasn't. <laughs> You're playing now, it off as a bit. Now it is. Um, but no, a huge shout out to uh, Jan Malinowski uh, and his two sons, Richard and Ted, uh, for hosting us at Secession. Um, it's in, uh, is it Buford? Beaufort? Beaufort? Beaufort. I, always, I assume Beaufort, Beaufort. Yeah. It's one of those words I, I say it right and then I forget how to say it right and I always say it wrong. It might so. technically be Port Royal. Port Royal? The, the, the it's town in Port right Royal. Next to it. Well, it's actually on, so it's in the low country in Beaufort. Um, right, I guess next to next Paris to Paris Island. Island, where the Marine Corps does basic training. Um, shout out to shout out. yeah, thank you, and Cat, yeah, and, and Cat for sure. Um, but it is a, it was founded in 1985, so it's not you know the oldest club that we played. It's relatively new. Uh, you know, national membership. I think there's only so many local members. Was it 50 or 100? I can't remember. I think they said 50. 50. And they live within 50 miles. Within 50 miles, yeah. yeah. Which is an interesting vibe. Um, it was originally designed by Pete Dye, but after a disagreement uh, with the founding members, it was finished by Bruce Devlin. Did you guys get any more insight into the disagreement with Pete Dye? It was all over a tree. Was it? Yeah, that's what Jan was saying. It was okay. all over a, a tree. That, um, basically, the, the owner wanted to keep this tree and i was like no we're not keeping that tree and so he walked away so he, so he basically said all right cool like and so devlin was one of his associates devlin uh really good player in his own right oh, a great player well. in his own australian right <laughs> yeah. uh so it, that was my big takeaway from it. it it felt like all the brilliance of a pete die routing without any of the kicky in the teeth surgical technician uh you know like very flat all the bunkers stacked sod bunkers um, I'd love to go back there and play like in the early fall when it's just super firm and crispy. Well, it got, I've, I played it in June, and that's why I recommended we go, we go back. And it was the greens were turned up to, you know, 25. And they were because they were clo- <laughs> they closed down. <laughs> no, they closed down the course uh, from basically like July through August. Like, you know, national membership. No one's really coming down uh, in the summer. So uh, they're just like, yeah, we're just going to burn them out. And then it's closed. And then we kind of you know, fix it back up in the, in the fall. So I thought that was a cool vibe. Um, Which I don't think I really fully understood what national membership meant until we went here. Yeah. It's like, no, no, like this is just a place for people to come vacation. Yeah, like, it's like you, you the, stay on site. The ultimate like second or third club. Yes. For yes. People. Yeah. 
which again isn't like the most relatable thing <laughs> to anyone here. I'm not, I don't think, but I it, it resonated. Like sure. it was cool. It was a really cool vibe in, and I think it, it comes across pretty well in the video of like what what it represents. Sure. Um, and there is a, like a civil a weird, like a, not weird, but like a, a cool homage to the Civil War. Not so much in the the South will rise again, but it's kind of like two sides, which of, is kind no, of what I was expecting. Yeah, to, yeah. Same to be when I went down in June, I said the same thing. Like, man, you know, it's got the like a an a, an altered Confederate flag, American flag logo. You're like, whoa, you yeah, know. Some but then, hardo Southern frat then you, boys. you you talk to them, and and actually from the website, a quote that I think sums it up is the club takes its name from the original Articles of Secession for South Carolina to withdraw from the Union that were drafted in Beaufort in 1860, shortly before the first hostilities in what became the Civil War. It is a doff of the cap to the area's landmark place in the national story, an acknowledgement of the events in all parties, not an invitation to argument, which I think sums it up pretty well because it is an uncomfortable topic. And, and from the outside looking in, it feels like it could be a, you know, invitation to argument or a... Um, you know, a lightning rod. So the four, actually the four of us, so Sally, DJ, Tron, and I went, Randy was competing in a triathlon that day. That's correct. I, that's did you why, win? Uh, did not win. No, but, spo- hey, no spoilers. <laughs> you know what I did win though? <laughs> the hearts and minds of the people of Wilmington. <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> but I thought it was interesting. We were, um, DJ asked for a scorecard and we sent a picture through and they're all named after civil war battles. And Randy was like, is that like, are, is that serious? Like, <laughs> you know, it was like it, from the That's outside looking in, it feels that. like, whoa, like this is very uncomfortable in a way. But then I, honestly, from, from being there on site and kind of learning like what the history is, you kind of think, yeah, it is, this is a, this is what that city or town is known for. And this is how we're going to remember that situation. South Carolina, the first state to, uh, to leave. By That's the way. exactly so right. Can't, so, that can't be lost. No, it can't. But, but I would it, say this is one of the most interesting, yeah, sorry. Too, just with the membership, like most of the guys are from like New York, Boston, Chicago. Yeah, yeah, we were joking. It's, it's kind of carpet, car- carpet baggers central. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So there, that was kind of a weird, uh, uh, weird or cool, uh, depending on your perspective. Di- kind of disconnected on all the secession stuff. Yeah, but di- I'd say you know talking about the course specifically, one of the more interesting ones. Looking at the drone footage, I mean, it just really stands out as a very unique piece of land played through the marsh area. The tide comes up and down. Which like, we were lucky we got low tide. And low wind. I didn't yeah. realize how much it like It comes up it. eight, yeah. eight, ten feet. But um, you can go find your ball in it and play it yeah. out of it. And it, a couple, few hours later, we yeah. would have been dishing the fishing balls out of the water. So we all, I, I mean, I think we all played pretty well and found it to be um, a fun, kind of carefree, relaxing Wide fairways. Golf. But a great match play course, I think, was the consensus where, you know, hey, the course isn't beating us up, but you know, there's a lot of birdies to be had from your competition, so you better be playing good golf. Well, let's go around. So, favorite hole? Uh, I'd, 16, I think, was my favorite. The par five, the kind of dog legs to the right, kind of going out towards that point. Um, the, the finish is just, it's memorable. Like, yeah. it, it, like the stretch you just outlined there is the ones that came to my mind immediately. But. I love I love 14. The, yeah, that the dog leg left. Um, kind of like, that might have been where the tree disagreement was, yeah. I think, like up by the green on 14, which... Normally, I would think like the less trees, the better. But I'm kind of I'm kind of down with uh, whoever was fighting to keep that one because it's one of the more unique holes uh, that I think we played on the trip. I know I promised no spoilers, but DJ tied himself to that tree that, that episode. <laughs> wouldn't let him wouldn't let him tear it down. That's but, right. Um, no, I, so I, I think for us, we don't. This is only the second time I think we've done a private golf course on Torres Sauce, and I think uh, well, I mean Australia was. 
Yeah, technically. Well, exclusively private on Wall Street. Yeah, well, you can, you can, no, if you're a visitor, international visitors can call up to roll all those courses and play. Yeah, but if you're a, if you're a local, you can't go play. Local yeah. at, listen, for sure. Um, I, I, how it fits into the season, I think, was a question we were all asking. I think it just kind of netted out to like, this is a cool vibe, a cool place that we're going to tell the story of. No, not everyone has access to it, but it was super welcoming to us. Like, to, if you're a guest there, they were super cool, and it's going to make for a good video. So I don't think it's like, hey, well, and the low call country, up, yeah, right? call like, up secession and get a tea time. I know that's not that doesn't really fit in with the rest of the season, but it was a good kickoff to like our season and the bets. And I think it, I think it has a cool story. Yeah, I think one of the things that I know we've talked about this a lot with tour sauce is you know, not to get like meta or self uh, reflective here, but like, I don't think it's like, we're not a travel agency, right? <laughs> like, I don't think it's like, okay, we're going to go do all the work so you can go plan your trip. I, I picture it much more just like, Hey, here's, let's go show off different places in golf and you take from that what you will. But yeah, I think if you're coming at us, I'm like, why would you show this? It's private. I can't go play there. I'm like, I don't really care. That's not <laughs> totally our problem. Like, uh, you know, pretty, I, I see where you're coming from of, and, of, and, but I think we balance the scales and potentially ask pretty well for yeah. people. Like, man, yeah. I would love a chance to play there mm -hmm. one day. Um, and I think when you look at the itinerary of the trip, that was probably one of the few like low country vibes that we played right. the Kiowa's ocean you know even caledonia true blue those are more inland it feels like yeah so, it doesn't look like anything else we played to yeah, kind of support sure. what you were saying there too is like if you can't call up and go play it like hey here's your chance to actually see it like yeah. we're, we got the video we got the footage of what it actually looks like yeah and so. i hope that doesn't come off the yeah. wrong way like i don't want to say you know we're just out here uh taking advantage of all the invites but i'm just like like what you're saying like i, I don't think it's it's not necessarily something that you know we're just we're we could have gone and played it and not filmed it also you know <laughs> yeah that's true sorry i've kind of dug us down a, uh, no, sorry, that's all right i would like to point out two other things one the vibe uh whenever there's a wraparound 360 porch i think that's usually a good indication of you know there's there's some you're, uh, you're in the right spot yeah there's some relaxing to be had and the <laughs> locker room had i got big time high school football like locker room vibes, which for a private club is kind of a good, you know, it's a pretty cool vibe. It's like you're staying on site. It's uh, from talking to the uh, the folks there. It felt like they invite a lot of, uh, you know, almost clubs over from the UK to do like Ryder Cup style matches. They have like a North South member Blue Gray tournament. The, the Blue Gray tournament. Shout we had out to two, Randy. Uh, we had two Scottish caddies. Yeah. I got a, I got a quick question though. I'm thinking like my high school locker room was exceptionally shitty and smelly. Like. <laughs> Is that no, no? It was like it's like a big square room. He was putting on eye black. Neil, Neil right. went to the marriage school. <laughs> no, <That's> no, no. <laughs> mm, no, no, but like yeah. with wood, like very simple locker room with no bays. It was just like one big open room with like a few it was, chairs. It was in the one middle. big room full of bad bitches. <laughs> yeah, uh, so. no, Neil was quite taken by. It. They had a they had a foam roller that vibrated. Vibrated well, you were the one. Roller. You were yeah, you were the one. Of that. Yeah, anyone else got to try it? Yeah, that's just. Not true. <laughs> Last thing I'll say about the course is, it I, for me, it's not like the, an ultimate like bucket list check off like one time. It's a course that I would want to play like eight times because I think you would really learn the strategy of the whole. It's not like so amazing one time, just go experience it once. Because like once, I don't think you get the full experience because how wide the fairways play and how many different ways you could play those holes. Like I feel like it's the place I'd want to go four and five times, which is pretty different than the next course on our list, I think, if we're ready to move on. Well, 
Yeah, definitely. I was just going to say for a uh, maybe a member podcast in the future, uh, we also talked about which characters of Succession we were all related to. So we can save that. That's just a little a little teaser for maybe something <laughs> in the future. I'd also like to give a shout out to Beaufort just in general. Like it's such a cool town and, and kind of what Charleston, I mean, Charleston's always been a much bigger city, but what Charleston, kind of the, the atmosphere Charleston used to have before it's absolutely well, blown up for the last 20 years. It had almost a little bit of the uh, the Southern Pines vibe to it, which is, you know, you have all these military people who have never been there before and they go there for training and kind of look around and are like, man, why don't I, like, why don't I live here? This is great. And so you get a lot of people who retire there or, or whatever, which I think we saw later in the trip as well. All right, a quick break here. We got to talk about something we have not talked about yet. Uh, you heard us talk last year about the engineers at Callaway, how they started using artificial intelligence to design the uh, Epic, the face in the Epic Flash driver uh, last year. That continued into the new year with the new Maverick driver. We're not going to talk about that now. Uh, we were actually headed down to the PGA show to get our driver heads. Uh, like actually today, I'm really excited about that. But those psychopaths in the R&D department have gotten so advanced with their use of AI that they're using it to design this year's Maverick irons. Uh, so I guess technically that makes sense to me. I guess if you start with finding out how the technology works in the largest head and figuring out how you downsize it into smaller and smaller clubs, I, I don't know if the wedges and putter and golf ball are next for AI, but in any case, Callaway used AI to design unique faces for every single iron in the set resulting in what the number one irons in golf are known for, tremendous distance, feel, and control. Now, here's the part that really interested me. There's the Maverick irons, the shot-shaping and sleek Maverick Pro irons, and the ultra-forgiving Maverick Max. I think when I heard about these clubs, I thought they were kind of more of a just a forgiveness club, and that's all they would be, that they wouldn't apply to lower handicap players, but the Maverick Pro irons have got my attention. So, Artificial intelligence has optimized all of them, and there's something for everyone. Check out Maverick Irons today at CallawayGolf.com. That's CallawayGolf.com. Let's get back to the podcast. All right, on to the next course. Stop to uh, the Ocean Course at Kiowa Island, a famous Pete and Alice die. Uh, they're both credited with the design on that. Opened in 1991, which I actually didn't know. I didn't realize it opened the same year that it hosted a Ryder Cup. Uh, it also hosted the 2012 PGA and will host the 2021 PGA I think the most important takeaway or thing that people should know about Kiowa is it's a really challenging commute for all of golf media. So I think that's like mm. the most, Thank the you. biggest, most significant thing that <laughs> poor guys. it's going to be a and, big, and girls. big storyline coming into 2021, which is just a year away. And my, our thoughts and prayers go to everyone that's commuting from uh, from downtown Charleston. So yeah, I you heard, hope that everybody you know gets a, a taste of it at Wingfoot this year, just to to prep a little bit and, and get some reps for next year. How bad's the the commute from to Wingfoot? I don't know. I just okay. assume everything around Wingfoot's really expensive, so they'll probably stay like two hours away. I will say we had the wrong like location for the course plugged into the GPS, and it was an extra fifteen minutes, and we were all like, "Oh my god, this is far." <laughs> <laughs> There's not a good direct route out to out to this island. It's a wild little neighborhood. Yeah, you got to go through a gate, like, and and then it's like the 15-mile-an-hour, like, you know, private development. It vibe. reminds me of uh, Sawgrass, except, like, 800 times bigger. Yes. Yeah, basically. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a wild, wild history of, like, you look at this property, and it's like, you, you don't look at it and say, like, oh, yeah, there's a golf course right there. Like, it was tough to build this place. Let me pause there. Yeah. Because I think about this all the time when we go to places like this. Shout out to the guys who are literally building these golf courses. Because imagine, like, we saw how many alligators and snakes in the four hours we were out there. 
like 30. Imagine just going in when it's just like you, nothing but complete swamp and just be like, yeah, can you go and, and hot? Go build a golf hole there, could you? I felt the same way at Streamsong. We're just like, yeah. God, who, who Streamsong scares did this? me more than this than is that. Yeah. terrifying. Yeah. yeah so, well, they thank actually, you to those guys. They had to build. <laughs> it was pretty stress free for us. It was Alice Dye's idea. They had to build up like the actual holes because like, there was, it, it was going to be no, almost no views of the ocean if they, if they had built it on the level at which the ground had already sat. So like they, the first step was building up a layer of whatever is underneath these fairways and greens to build it up so that people could have a view, which is what really exposes it to the wind. It's like one of the most windswept courses you can play in the U.S. Also, it tips out at 8,300 yards. That's kind of a misnomer. It is, but it's just fun to say. Kind of an out and back routing, but the first four go out, there's a sideways hole, the fifth, and then six through 12 all go the opposite direction. Uh, 6 through 13, really, and then 14 through 18 come back towards Clubhouse. So you're going to get an equal amount of holes that play downwind, equal amount into the wind, and they have flexibility on all of the holes to be able to move the tees back. They're never going to set it up at 8,300, but like if you if it's going to be super downwind, say on number six, they can move that tee back to like 520 on a par four. Uh, but if it's into the wind, they're going to move the tee way up from there. So like, in a tournament, they're never going to play it anywhere near that. Neil and I played it at about 7,400 plus, which... Yeah. It was it was a challenge. It was um, a, a war of attrition on the shore. It was. <laughs> a lot of war stuff. First first two, you know, you got the war by the shore, yeah. the civil war. <laughs> maybe a lot of stolen valor. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> Might be a little bit. I, I would say, though, having played it from all the way back there, it wasn't the length that really felt the most challenging. I mean, it's just a hard golf course from whatever tee you play it from. I mean... It's very difficult. It was It was a battle... Of, it was a mental battle, too, because it's one of those courses where the wind is just always in your ears. So you're just like, God, just leave me alone for a minute. You know, like, I, I just want to, like, get down in, like, a ditch and just, like, have some quiet time. So I struggle with the mental aspect of uh, playing in the wind, and then you add in the distance. It's pretty gnarly. Well, it just the, – the, I think it's mostly in how the greens sit. The angles at which the greens sit are just make you uncomfortable. And it's just, it's classic like, Pete Dye. Like number nine. Yeah. It's, and I, I keep thinking back to number seven even. And then come coming down 15 or 16, the par five even, just sits at an awkward angle and it just messes with your head. And it's it's just more severe than like, say, TPC Sawgrass, uh, which I think, I mean, I've played a couple other Pete Dyes, I think, but that's Sawgrass I've played the most. And it, that Sawgrass doesn't intimidate me really anymore, like visually, just because I've seen it enough that I'm like, okay, there's room there. There's room there. Kiowa, like, it intimidates you. Like it just doesn't look like there's that much room. The fairways are plenty wide, but it just doesn't feel like that when you stand up and you can't miss. It. Like if you miss it, you're in the shit. Like I, it sucks. I think that's something kind of interesting. I think we were saying that on a podcast. I think when when Pete Dye passed away recently, we we're talking about some of this stuff where there are so few people who get to play a Pete Dye golf course as their everyday golf course. Mm-hmm. And I think what you're saying about Sawgrass is probably the closest, where it's like you know, when you get to play it a bunch of times, you kind of start to figure it out and you get less intimidated and blah, blah, blah. But something like Kiowa that, you know, is $500 or whatever to go play. Like most people are probably only going to play there once. And so it's kind of a weird, uh, I don't know, it's just a weird way to think about some of these, you know, bucket list type places is, you know, no matter what your attitude is going in, like you're probably not going to really get it. 
which is which is kind of a weird, just a weird place to be for these kinds of courses. You're probably not going to have a good score. <laughs> you're not. You're yeah, right. You're and so then, not, it, yeah. it's which I guess like, makes you want to come back. Maybe. Well, kind of, sorta. Straight up, like I don't, I don't like you. <laughs> I just, fine. I don't like the, I don't like the vibe on the island. I don't like the. I just, it, it feels vanilla to me, and I don't like the golf course. That's, I had a feeling that we might have experiences take, and I understand Listen, where you're coming from. You're allowed to feel that yeah. way. Yeah. I've, pl- I've played it twice now, and. You know, like I respect it. I think it's a good it's a good place to have a pro event. Um, there's some really there's some holes I love out there, but I just don't. It's not fun. Like, I don't like the grass. I don't, I don't like, think it's yeah. it's wrong to say like it's not fun. I think you go play it because the Ryder Cup was there. Tour pros play it every now and then at the PGA Championship. It's tough. It's scenic, and like you're there for the challenge. Like, like it markets itself yeah. as an extremely tough golf course and it's not like Pinehurst I think market and we're gonna get to Pinehurst obviously markets itself more it's like yeah it's tough but like you're gonna find your golf ball you're gonna be able to play it you're gonna be able to put it around the greens and it has an ease to mid handicappers this is a mid handicappers nightmare like this golf course but I think people go to play it to say they've played Kiowa to experience it to see the views and I I went there maybe 10 years ago and saw it and I was like damn I want to go play it like I know it looks hard but I do want to go play it but I, I agree with what you said. I think this is a, a place you go to play one time. I don't think they count on a ton of return visits. Right. Nobody, I don't think people go like, oh, time for the annual trip to Kiowa. Man, I just love playing that golf course every year. I think people do that abandon. I don't think you do that at Kiowa. Yeah, and I, so I kind of almost had the opposite feeling, Tron, where I thought I would not like it. And I, I liked it a lot more than I thought I was going to, I guess. And I think the biggest aspect of that is that me, you, and Randy did not play it at 7,400 yards. We yeah. played it at, what, like 63 or 64? Probably 64. Or something like that. that. And that which was like, the, the biggest even thing. Even that which, doesn't matter because you're playing, you get like 10 holes in a row, downwind. For sure. Then, that's that's know. true. But you had a lot of, like, that's the thing you hear when you go in the golf shop and you hear like from the starters and the caddies is just like to the point where it just becomes like white noise it's like yeah make sure you play the right tees play the right tees play the right tees but i cannot stress how important that was for my enjoyment of the golf course because i thought like we didn't hit that many drivers which i thought makes it a lot more fun almost in a in a kind of counterintuitive way because you're in play a lot more you're caring about which side of the fairway you're on because the fairways are massive and i think if you are playing the right tees you take the you like take advantage of that because if we were playing it all the way back we would have been swinging from our heels all day just to get to the fairway and just to like keep it in play whereas i think moving up to 63 6400 yards whatever all of a sudden you can like see a lot more of the golf course and like you you can see it in front of you and and really make a choice on what you have to do which is i would assume a lot more how the tournament golf plays out there so the challenge is still totally fair from up there totally yeah i mean it's it's still there i I think it's actually i mean just like sawgrass for me like it's i i find it harder to play sawgrass from farther up than i do from back except for the par three it's just because it takes driver out of your hand and i'm better with driver than i am yeah three wood or, or three iron I was able to embrace the challenge. I was going to say, we mentally. did it be, for video purposes. Yeah. I, it's not like if we were on a trip, we'd be like, oh, oh it's time for the test from the tips. <laughs> I we didn't in, come in with we, the attitude of like. We came with the right mindset. Plus, it was a match. Yeah. So, like, you know, the first, like, four holes, I'm out of play. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. Spoiler you know what alert. I mean? Oh, sorry. Randy, did you, were you bummed you didn't get to play the tips? No, not at all. I, I think I, I kind of shake out more where Tron is in that. It was. I'm glad I played it. I can say I played it, but like honestly, I don't really remember any of the holes. Like, and not to say it's not scenic because if you're right on the water, there's a nice sea breeze. But it it just, it it didn't grab me like other courses on this trip did. That's a really good point about the holes do run together for me. I can remember. I remember just like 17, the par three. That's probably the hardest par three in 
in the country. Yeah. Uh, 16's pretty gnarly. But like, Perfect. other than I, get, I got some snapshots, but the front nine is all just a blob, and I think a lot of that is because you're trying so hard. You're yeah, trying you're, to keep your head above water. Yeah, you're fighting yeah. the course so much that you don't have time to like, you know, like look up and be like, oh wow, look at this, you know, look at where this fairway moves. It's like it's either like, man, like where's my ball, or it's like, <laughs> yo, look at the ocean. You know, it's like in between of that, it's like you don't have a ton of. See, space I, to comprehend. I actually, to be honest, I thought it would be harder. I, I didn't find it that hard. I, 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 I made a mess of a lot of holes on my own, but I felt like it was it. So many people come in with the attitude of, like they're already defeated by the course before they even start because they know it's going to be hard. And I just I didn't think it was insanely hard. I think if it was narrower off the tee, I could see that coming to that conclusion of like this is crazy hard. But I felt like. It just wasn't the most, again, it wasn't the most fun ever. It's not the most fun golf. The balls aren't feeding towards the hole. There's not like slopes to play it off of. All the slopes are like kicking your ball away from the hole. I just, I thought it was like more doable than I thought it was going to be. I think part of that is because the first time I played it, we had a crosswind. Yeah. If you have a crosswind, like forget about it. it. You can't keep your ball in play. Yeah. We did have pretty good weather. We had a a wind from the north, like from the northeast. So it was, it was pretty much either in, it was either down or in. Mm Um, but yeah, I mean, like that—that that short par four on the front is really, really good. Number three, number three—that's that, an awesome yeah. hole. Number the par, two is the par two fives is are great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, some of the lines that the caddies were telling us that you know the pros take off the tee. I'm like, really? But really? <laughs> <laughs> that was, I think, the most important takeaway for me was like I'm more excited to watch the PGA Championship yeah. after sure. having played it. And that's why I think you would. Which I think people is the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Uh, you don't go there playing like three times in one week, and it—it—it's not like yeah, it's not. I'm not giving it a, a strong endorsement, but like it is what it is, and I don't think it markets itself any differently than what it is. Yeah. I yeah. Just, so, so I think going back to the take I had earlier, it was just it, it's a matter of it lacks soul for me, if that makes sense. It yeah. just doesn't. There's just not a whole lot of character or authenticity there. Well, what like resorts do you think have that? I mean, besides Bandon, Bandon, yeah. uh, I would say uh, Pinehurst does. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, even even places up in in Michigan that I've been, like they have, like it it just feels like the bag tag barrier resort to me. Yeah, <laughs> tourist factor. I think it kind of goes in in line with the time frame in which it's built, right? Sure. I mean, Bandon has been yeah. built more recently and changed the way that all these other resorts do things now. And Kiwa has not changed. Like Pinehurst has changed over the last 10, 15 years, in mostly partially at least in response to like Bandon and how that has worked out. And Kiwa which is built pretty pretty close eight years before uh, Bandon was built. It's, it hasn't been refreshed, hasn't changed. It, the timing wise, I don't know if they have a plan to do that. And it's in so any much way. more residential. Too, yeah, man. it's just totally it's different like, experience. Yeah, I don't want to compare it to Bandon, but I'm just saying as far as like just the like everything just feels like the way something nice is supposed to feel. Right? Yeah. There's nothing distinctive about it. There's nothing. And golf course wise, this is the time period formulaic. when shit was like just being built really hard. Like all, everywhere it was was just being built really hard before this new movement of like yeah let's not make it that hard for people that pay a bunch of money to play and play maybe once or twice a week so that's I was gonna say it reminds me of the way people play like Beth Page Black yeah it's yeah. like I don't think there needs to be many more of those types of courses built but the fact that like a place like Beth Page or Kiowa exist it's like yes that is you're going there because it's it's a challenge and it's gonna kick you in the teeth and if that's what you're looking for you know then good stuff but. Yeah. All right, let's move it on. Big Randy, we're going to throw it over to you for uh, a course that resonated pretty pretty strongly, I'd say, in Caledonia up in Myrtle Beach. So this was kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum, I'd say, from Kiowa. And 
the specifics to get them out of the way, uh, located in Pauly's Island, which is about 45 minutes south of Myrtle Beach. It was opened in 1994. It's the first solo design of Mike Strance. Um, it is the, the technical name of, of the property is the Caledonia Golf and Fish Club, which I think is important to point out just because I think it connotes a certain imagery, at least in my mind, uh, a certain expectation of what the property will look like. And I think, at least to me, it, it fulfilled uh, that image in my mind. So I, I think uh, the, the things I want to say about the course – you know, spoiler, I, I say it on camera, but this was like one of the 10 favorite domestic courses I, I think I've been to. And I, I, upon reflection, I think there are a couple aspects that, that really stood out to me. One, I, I just found the whole property to be really uh, beautiful <laughs> in, in a sense that, you know, you have big, live, majestic oaks, uh, the landscaping, the flowers. I, I just thought... You know, it, it was a really pretty piece of land to uh, to walk around. I have some literature from uh, my friend the Foz. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, they just—it was really well manicured. I, 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 yeah, I was just taken by it. The setting again. You know, when somebody says golf and fish club, I think in my mind that you know you think there'll probably be some bodies of water. You kind of think streams, ponds, um, and, and it has all of that. Maybe some brooks, some brooks, some some babbling, babbling brooks. brooks. Yeah, uh, it, it's you drive through the gate, and the clubhouse is certainly not ostentatious. It's a nice clubhouse, great porch, um, wraparound porch. To Neil's point, exactly. And you know I, you're in the right great spot. view of the 18th hole. Great view of the 18th hole. All of that. I, I thought you kind of feel away from the hustle and bustle a little bit. There's There are no houses on the property. There's no, you know, arbitrary out of bounds. You're not hitting into people's backyards ever. So you're walking through this piece of property that I think is really, really pretty. Uh, it's, a, it's a relatively small, like, piece of land, which I think speaks to some of the brilliance of, of Mike Strantz and, and the way he routed it. It's just such a walkable course. You know, the, the last kind of comment I had on that is, we're in South Carolina. In my mind, this course could have been somewhere in the northern part of Michigan. It could have been somewhere in Montana or Idaho. It was just very kind of rustic and outdoorsy, and I really like that. So I think those two factors, and then you bring in the golf course, which is really interesting, uh, the way Strantz uses you know sight lines and, and bunkering, and you know, puts contours into the green. I mean, it's it's a flat piece of property that's been built up in a way that you know I think it's not demanding necessarily, but I think it extracts. Um, in my mind, it, it kind of makes you want to paint a mental image of a shot and then try to execute that shot. So, so I think it really, you know, extracts that creativity of oh man, this is kind of what I want the ball to do. I can use this contour, get the you know, get it close to the hole. And then the fun of it is, you know, seeing if you can execute that. So I, I thought as far as that goes, it was much more an exercise in playing golf than just like playing golf swing and, and hitting targets, uh, which was quite enjoyable. The, the last thing I'll say, it, this round was uh, myself, Tron, and Solly. Uh, and double bogey Dave and 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 faithful listener supporter double bogey Dave 
it, it tips out at like 6,500 yards. It's a par 70. For me, who's you know more of a certainly mid handicap, it was very enjoyable. I didn't find it daunting, though I did find it challenging. And so I guess my question to you guys is, you know, better players, it, did you find that same? Oh, you know, stop. No, <laughs> come on. Don't say that. You know, did you want more of a challenge? Was it too easy? That, that was the only thing where it's like, well, I don't really have that perspective. So I, I was curious what you guys think. I've played it think. twice now. I think it's it's definitely an exercise in discipline. It's not a cakewalk yeah. 6,500. You just can't, you can't bully it. There's no opportunities really to just like cut dog legs or pound drivers and ha have flip wedges in. I think it's One think of the only totally holes you can do that is like that first par five on the back. Yeah. Is that 10? Uh, yes, 10, 10 is a par 5. Yeah, yeah. yeah 10's long. Yeah, there's another par 5 on the front that you can kind of cut off a little bit if you yeah. fly bunkers and whatnot. But it's, it's just, it's not easy. There's nothing easy about it. Kind of mystifying. I feel like I haven't really played it well. I've played it three times now and haven't played it well yet, and I don't have a good reason why. Uh, I, I think it's ex extremely interesting. I think it's, I've not played all the Strands courses. It To me, though, I've played True Blue, which we're going to talk about next. I've played Caledonia, and I've played Tobacco Road, which we're going to get to. Uh, I haven't played Bulls Bay. But this is the most tame strands of the three that I've played. I don't feel like it's as bold. I think he's very limited with what he had size property-wise. I agree it's a totally enjoyable, casual stroll through you know, through the Carolinas. I really enjoy it. And people always ask us for recommendations in Myrtle Beach. And like I send them to Caledonia and True Blue. Like I think that's the best places you can, you can show up and play in Myrtle Beach. So I, I think to that point, one of the notes I wrote down was, you know, reading like Mackenzie, right? Uh, the, the spirit of, you know, golf should be a pro, you know, it should be playable. A good course should be playable for mid to high handicaps, yet still challenging for the best players. And I thought that's what Caledonia for sure really gets right in that it's, it's kind of a throwback to that golden age ideal. There's so many visual tricks and deceptions. Like, like I'm thinking about number seven, uh, it's a par four. You tee off and there's these, bunkers that flow right into the lake these massive gators down there hanging out in the bunkers and and then it wends back to the right and the green looks like it's you know just a normal size green and then you get up there and you're like oh my god this this green goes another 30 yards back into the right like a there's tree this massive kind of tree up yeah. front in the right it's a cool it's intimidating that and, and there's a bunch of there's a bunch of variety like the you know there's there's dogleg rights dogleg left there's a there there's i think the was it the ninth hole is par three it's maybe 90 yards yeah. right yeah yeah it tips <laughs> out i think it like one eight, they can stretch it i think to 118 <laughs> <laughs> when they really want to challenge yeah, but, but but you know massive bunkers in the front you're like yeah like it's a it's a little flip you know sand wedge or, or lob wedge but you better have your distance right or else you're going to be either plugged in the front bunker or have a exceptionally yeah. tough up and down and then you make the turn that's the last yeah i want to yeah. shout out uh as you know tron i know you're a big soup guy and Love especially soup. a chowder guy they were they were serving clam chowder there at the turn which was just such a nice little touch i imagine they probably don't do that in in the summer but um you know it was kind of a chilly day when we were there and it was just you know the perfect little cherry on top of the whole experience to me the back nine is way stronger than the front nine uh it's once you turn onto the back i don't think there's really a, a weak hole uh coming 18 is a bit of a funky hole but i wouldn't i wouldn't call it weak sick. <laughs> yeah uh one and two like the start's kind of slow and then in the middle of the front just kind of okay for me starting with nine though uh even even eight um, with the, the par five, it, it gets really good. So it, it finishes, it leaves you with a really good taste. Is eight so, the par five that's yeah. like with the lake in front? Yeah, yeah. That's a cool. Cool green, tiered green. The first time we played that, I, uh, 
there's that covered bridge over on the right. Oh, God, I forgot about that. <laughs> and I was like, dude, I got to punch it through the covered bridge. <laughs> God, I got that video I hit a somewhere. I got to find through that. the covered bridge. <laughs> that, was, that might be the best shot I ever hit. <laughs> so, yeah, to kind of put a bow on it, I, I think, Solly, like you said, if you're in the area, certainly if you're in Myrtle Beach, I, I think it's not only – you know, should you play it in your if you're in the area? I, I think it's a type of course I, I would gladly, you know, go play it uh, as part of a trip. I, I the the only recommendation I guess I would tell people is don't just roll in and roll out of the place. You know, if it's like the, the first round of a 36 hole day or something, I, I'm not sure you're going to get quite the appreciation. I mean, maybe you will, but I found it to be take your time there. You know, enjoy a drink at, on the back porch. Hell, maybe spend the night, go fishing. I, I think soak up the property because that, to me, is like the biggest asset the place has is, is the entire property. So great porch. Yeah, let's move on to the uh, the two party boys here. For uh, went over to True Blue. Yeah. So while you guys were having your delightful uh, nature walk, me and Neil were doing hand to hand combat with with True Blue across the street. Uh, I think when people say you know what why is mike strand so good or what you know i hear this name a lot like what was his whole aesthetic i think if you go see these two places either in the same day or in in two days like you'll see all the different muscles that he had to flex because everything randy said about caledonia like i almost felt like true blue in a not in a bad way not in a good way just was the complete opposite like it was massive it was like vast wide big ass holes uh, huge greens. You hit it anywhere off the tee, and everything was all about the second shot. And I thought it was like th- absolutely thrilling. I loved it. Yeah, I, I would say I agree with all of that. It was a big veiny triumphant bastard. <laughs> <laughs> is, is how I would describe it. It was, uh, and it was also a course that I tried to bully a little bit because it makes you feel like, oh, look, you just you know, big wide fairways. I got to fly these bunkers, and then you just start getting yourself in all kinds of trouble when you get over the ridge. You're like. Oh no! I, I don't want to be here. Like I fell for it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I had that in my notes. In that, wait, I'm the mark. <laughs> yeah. First time I played it though. Another another round out there. I would think I would thoroughly I've enjoy. Never played a place that I've been so overwhelmed by how wide it was. Yeah, yeah. Like it, yeah. it, it feels. You think it should be super easy because no, of that? No, you start hitting like big spinners. because yeah. you like don't have a target. Exactly. You're like yeah. oh, I'm just gonna wail on this one. Plenty yeah. of room up there. And then I'm like, that's oh so man, hard. like when it's you lack so specificity. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Which I think is so cool when you have the proper to do that so yeah i had that in my notes that like we, i mean we've talked a lot about pete die already but it felt very pete die in that you know the, it never you it was almost the kind of place like i'm sure there were a couple force carries i know like the couple of the par threes and stuff but it was one of those places like you could almost play it with a putter like it was so wide and so just like hit it anywhere we, but you, we don't you, recommend we don't point. recommend that but my point being like there was always a way out but he was like always just tempting you like just enough and i think no spoilers but i was uh the recipient of neil falling for this many many times on this day <laughs> getting hit in the head many many times, times on the head with a hammer with a hammer uh, i had to give dj my money i got kids you know <laughs> but he was like it, it's like strands just shouting at you just like dude don't try this but you can you can if you want but yeah. like don't do it well, what was your, do not do it what was your strands take the <laughs> oh, do you, do you want me to enlighten the folks with yeah. my strand sake? Well, we've had a, a, you know, a few conversations about <laughs> golf architects over here where we've, you know, a, a, this is completely a, uh, 
a metaphor or, or a, how would very, you say it? Very figurative. Very, very figurative. But, you know. This only speaks for Neil. Neil does not speak no, for no, anyone. No, no, no. The other takes are, are more you guys where uh, Tron has said that Tom Doak courses remind him of an abusive lover. Where he's like a dominatrix. You can't, you know, he's, you can't quit him, but he's, you know, he's, he's abusing you a little bit. Whereas Corn uh, Crenshaw is more tantric where it just keeps going and going and going and going. I said to DJ on like number 10, I was like, Strands is a, he's a porn star, you know? I mean, it's just like, things are big and, and just intimidating and it's like, it's got the very, hair. It, it feels very mustache. theatrical, you know? And then, and then even like looking at your, your, your uh, thoughts on True Blue, like, yeah, sometimes, you know, the porno can be a little sensual and like, <laughs> Cal- HBO Caldonia, late night That's stuff. what I was going to say. Have yeah. you seen Caldonia? I'm curious if, well, if I would say that's more here. like the late night HBO stuff, you know, like <laughs> yeah. a little bit more value. like, oh it's yeah. It's an art film. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit more like, no, it's more about the storyline. <laughs> and whereas Caledonia was just like, no nah, man, let's get to the, we're going to get to the goods here. I mean, but it is, it's big and bold and like, you know, there's a lot of visual tricks as, as DJ said, like, the problem is, is there like really that much room up there? Everything else we say is just going to be like through the lens of yeah. that. So yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll try. But. Well, TC asked for the take. So no, I had, I had, to, I had I to think offer it's it essential. Up. Well, so, I, I also think, so it, it's a former indigo plantation. Uh, right? Exactly. It sits on what used to be the true blue indigo plantation. So how about that? That's cool. That's wild. Uh, opened in 1998, so four years after Caledonia. Uh, it's typically cheaper than Caledonia, like sometimes as much as like $50 cheaper, which I thought was kind of wild. Having played both of them, I think I would play, not to undercut my associate Randy whatsoever, but I think it would probably be maybe a 7-3. Uh, if I was going to split 10 rounds, it would be 7-3 true blue probably. Uh, it's a lot different. It stretches out to like 7,100 yards. Like I was saying, it's just a a massive piece of property, but... As far as like the actual golf course, I thought the par fives were fantastic. I thought even it might have been. Gosh, I'm trying to think. Other than Kiowa, because you guys you know played it all the way back, it might have been the only course that we played on this trip where like all the par fives were true, like three shot holes. Three shotters, you except cannot, for number nine. I think yeah, you nine, got to number could, nine and two, but but even all that the rest shot was like a really tough, weird, like yeah. long iron yeah, over like this going massive. Going for it probably wasn't the bunker. play. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's like no, just put it on the right side and and. You yeah, know, fifty yard shot. Like, but I thought it was cool that like that was that was almost the whole golf course in a in a nutshell was like you're not going to get there in two. Don't try. Just like put yourself in the right spot. Don't try to do too much. Don't try to do anything crazy, or you're going to get punched in the mouth, or you're going to be on the wrong side of a slope, or all these things. Like to your point, Solly, like, there's so much width out there that you're you kind of just lull yourself to sleep on. Like, well, I don't really have to aim at anything specific and then you go see where your ball is and you're like fuck i wish i was on the other side of the fairway i can't do anything from here it's a little bit like uh we'll talk about tobacco road later on in this episode but the the par fives there were similar where they're not that long but strands does such a good job of of placing hazards and changing like making blind shots so it's like no you just can't the play is not to go for it yeah you know you gotta hit three solid golf shots and then i thought you know the other thing that we'll, we'll definitely talk about it tobacco road but you know many people say strands is very very quirky as well you see a lot of that in the third hole the par three which is just like it's like a hourglass green yes. over the water which is you know like a kind of standard green shape for par threes but for some reason he puts just a massive mound in front of the green so it makes it almost like a blind shot and it's all just of his own doing like it clearly <laughs> didn't look like that before he got there uh but it takes what is like a pretty simple hundred and 
30 yard shot. And all of a sudden you're like, God, how far is it to cover that ridge? Is it going to spin back into the water? Do, how much room do I have behind that? Like it just completely changes the complexion of what should be a very easy shot. And so I think he's, he's awesome at doing that. And I, I loved every second of true blue, which I don't know if we spelled out that these courses are literally across the street, from literally across the street. Like, so it's, yeah. it's a, it's, a, I would, you can do them both in one day if you really wanted to. Um, but it, you could also make two visits down to there. It is, it's pretty far south of the main part of yeah. Myrtle Beach. It's about like 45 minutes we drove from north Myrtle Beach, yeah. I think. Um, but worth it, I, th- I, would, I would definitely argue. 100%. Yeah. And also, I'd, I'd make a comment on the vibe. We came back over to, uh, to Caledonia to sit on the port. I think mm-hmm. the vibe there is much more – felt more local, more yeah, yeah. laid back, whereas we were on golf boards and – yeah, Neil was like, so. Neil like, thought he was so cool on the golf course. Nah, TJ was so <laughs> excited when we picked him up, and then he couldn't do a U-turn, so he got stuck. Which They're was kinda, awesome. The golf boards are kind of hard. Yeah, but that awesome. was that that was a great course for him because of how wide open it yeah, was. It was flat like, and, you know, yeah. you're like doing slalom down the fairway. It's yeah. great. I've got a question. What is indigo? Is it rice? Is it like a rice? No, it's a dye. I think it's, it's dye. clothing. Yeah. They dyed like what's clothing. in denim, right? Yeah, yes. I think it's what they used to dye clothing. I always wondered that. Hmm. I or, think it's blue. That's what true blue. Yeah, yeah. indigo oh, plantation. Oh, I get it now. All right. Uh, next was the putt putt. I think we're gonna we're gonna skip that. I think for the purposes of this podcast, I would love wanna, to say a couple break things it down. About, yeah. No. Okay. I mean, this was one of the things you know did a whole lot. Probably more research on on this. You know, <laughs> really figuring out which there's probably fifty different putt putt courses in in Myrtle Beach. So figuring out, you know, some of them have bad turf conditions. Some of them, like, like really digging into the world of putt putt. It's been a tough fall down there. So <laughs> tough growing season. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, so we we really, you know, like we were we were told to skip Mount Atlanticus, which was complete disgrace. Yeah, terrible turf <laughs> conditions. I guess they they fired their super. <laughs> Um, and then, uh, you know, a couple other places that were, that were on our short list that we ended up skipping. Um, we had, and we did the, the, we actually went to two day, we went to a 36 hole facility. Um, and then we went to another place where they have the U S masters putt putt tournament yeah. every year. We got is, deals on golf now for, uh, to get the tee times. And what a, what a subtle, the, the place where they have the, you know, championship. Oh my God. It was looked that Jungle easier. Lagoon? No. Was Jungle Lagoon was first. Hawaiian Rumble. Hawaiian Rumble. Rumble. Yeah, okay. Jungle right, right, Lagoon, yeah. like, you know, a little bit more like windmill stuff and crazy shots, but the the um, Hawaiian Rumble was just, you're like, oh, this is an easy hole. But it's like, no, you got to hit that brick. Yeah. <laughs> and if you hit that, don't hit that brick, you're three putting. Like, I totally understand how fucking stupid this sounds, <laughs> but it was legitimate, like, golf design. Yes. At, it, was. At Hawaiian it, was, Rumble. it was incredible. It was awesome. Yeah, it was minimalism. It, it was there so was, cool. There was no obstacle. Like there, it was just like slopes and bricks. Yeah, you had to hit the right side. Couldn't yeah. couldn't be above the hole. Yeah, like literally <laughs> great all that turf. Great turf. <laughs> Very minimalist. They had an active volcano. <laughs> <laughs> that was there. That's why they built the course there. Yeah, yeah that's true. That's we true. did try to do some drone flyovers, but <laughs> it was too close to the airport. We couldn't get drone footage of the putt putt course courses. But I love God. I fucking love putt putt. Yeah, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, DJs talked about. I think that would be my ultimate like dream documentary idea would be I mean, if anybody's ever seen the King of Kong, uh, the the one about the professional Donkey Kong players, I think doing something similar about professional putt putt would be essential to the discourse. Oh, yeah, they've, loud. They've, they've, they've got all the all the champions uh, pictures up there. There's this Ukrainian woman that absolutely <laughs> rubs shit. Yeah, the guy that owns the place has won it a couple times. Which he's the he's the course fair. designer as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's got CB McDonald. I was, I was just gonna say that. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, that's gonna be a fun episode. There's a lot more to come on that one. Um, Hawaiian Rumble and Jungle Lagoon might be the might be the national and, and Shinnecock of of meeting. Well, that was best thirty six like, whole was, day. Well, <laughs> it was a fifty four whole day. And, well, right. And we went to Hooters in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> Don't spoil it. We had we had a Myrtle Beach trip. Uh, from Myrtle Beach, we went. Got about Hooters. <laughs> we drove to Wilmington, uh, where we teed it up at the uh, Wilmington Municipal Golf Course. Tron, why don't you take us there? Oh. That place was rejuvenating. Donald Ross, 1926, like $31 to play. They redid it a couple years ago. Just did a fantastic job. The greens were among the best we played on the entire trip. $31 might legitimately, of all the places we played, like that's on my short list of best deals in the country. Actually, I'm sorry. It's uh, $37. It's off the list. Never mind. Yeah, it's off the list. Strike that. (laughs) It might be the Mega Muni. Like it might be, I don't, I mean, I know there's, like Tory Pines is a Muni, and what like Beth Page? Listen, I, I think you should leave this to the experts. The, the big guy and myself will will be the judge of that. It, what it, do you fan, have to say then? Fantastic. Yeah, it, it truly. I Stamp mean, Tron, of approval. Tron, take us through the specifics, but yeah, it, it was such a good golf course. Yeah, I mean, just you know, long kind of like basically how you could describe it is like you could call it Pinehurst Number Ten and move it, you know, hundred yard or hundred miles west. And call it Pinehurst number ten yeah. and charge two hundred and fifty or three hundred dollars for it, and people wouldn't bat an eye. Yeah, yep. that's a good way to good. put it. There's, there's the par fours were, were strategic and just challenging and tough. Um, great par threes, like not, not a, not a, not a spectacular piece of property, but, but also like a lot of, a lot of variety to it. There's a that that par three. There was the volcano, volcano hole oh par three. Oh my god, was, was number four. Amazing. Yeah. yeah, number three was a great hole. And so what what I remember the most about this place is it, off the tee, it's pretty friendly. The fairways aren't super wide, but the greens all dictate greens and pins. Like you can see the pin and the green from the tee, and it was dictating where I was aiming. And there were several par fours where I'm aiming straight into the rough. Like they took down a ton of trees as part of the renovation. I'm like. I don't care about being in the rough. I need to create an angle here, and I'm aiming between two different fairways and trying to hit it there so I can hit like a wedge from the proper angle. And that was so fun to kind of chart your way around that way. And I, I was I, to me, the Wilmington Muni was the highlight of the first leg of the trip. I know we played bigger named courses, but I maybe it was just kind of lower expectations that come with it being called a municipal course. And of course, I'm not so not familiar with municipals. I've never played a municipal before, <laughs> according to the Strat Boys. And uh, and I, I no, love it. You, you, he he seemed like a fish opinion. out of water, though. Yeah. I, I was... You can have an opinion. I just say you should probably leave it to the experts. <laughs> he kept asking where the men's grill was. Yeah, it was weird. Is Taconic like... the best muni you've played, probably, or what? Uh, semi-public course. That would be a different category. Yeah, that's okay, a different right? category okay, for okay, sure. Thanks. I, I want to shout out the 16th, which was a part three. I hit driver off the tee. <laughs> <laughs> that hole was to sick. End, end. Like 240 yeah. yards dead into well, the fan. Yeah, I'm like, I, that's the only club I can hit. Tips, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's 67-84 from the tips. It was a long 67. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, just you know, there's there's plenty of uphill holes. There's no wasted space either. It's one of those routings that you look at and vintage Ross. I mean, back and forth, but it, at no point does it feel back and forth. Like and it, I think, but I think this course is going to match up. Uh, I don't know how to say this exactly, but like 
our footage and the way it looks is not going to match up as well as it plays, if that makes sense. It's not like beautiful, it's not stunning, like it's, it's a t in totally good shape, but there's nothing visually stunning, amazing about it, I would say. It looks like a municipal court, it looks like a yeah. little scruffy in some places, but the greens rolled absolutely perfect, uh, the, the turf played absolutely perfect, and I, I couldn't I couldn't praise it anymore. Which is crazy too when you think about the fact that they get 50,000 rounds or whatever per year. I mean, it, it was just immaculate. Shout Place. out to John Fott. He was the uh, the renovation guy, uh, renovation architect in 2014. It's an absolute jewel for the for the city of Wilmington. Uh, Neil, I did want to point out your high school locker room mm -hmm. take from earlier. I thought I walked into the clubhouse at Wilmington and I immediately smelled an old gymnasium. Like it had that old basketball smell to it. Well, the, I wasn't c commenting on the smell at the session. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was more the look, but that is... I, yeah, which I like. It was just like, oh my God, this is like I'm back at basketball camp in the summer yeah. or something. Uh, it was cool too. When we pulled up, they, there was probably six or seven groups ahead of us in the, in, I think the just the regular men's game that was out there. And they've got a first tee facility right next door to there. Which is cool. They built a whole short course as part of the renovation as well, which yeah. I think is either free or extremely cheap for kids to go play. Um, and, and, you know, really, like, I just enjoyed Wilmington, the city. I'd never yeah. been there before. Randy had, Randy had been up there the week he prior. Ran the whole thing. Yeah, that's where, that's where the triathlon was. I'm, I'm like you. That was the first time I'd ever been there. And it was a, a really, really good experience, I think. What I found interesting about Wilmington for how it sits essentially on the ocean, right? It's it's the, the ocean and the beach are right there. It's actually more of a river town because it sits, you know, maybe, I don't know, five, ten miles in off the ocean. And you have a river uh, that runs right right parallel kind of through downtown. Um, a bit like Jacksonville in that way. Yeah, exactly. Tons of history, uh, lots, of, lots of historical markers. Um, but then... You know, kind of in that southern city that's, that's you know, they, they just have a lot of local bars, restaurants, shops. Uh, it, it was very, um, it was cool to experience. Yeah, vibrant place for sure. And, and like kind of like low-key isolated from the rest yeah. of mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> like, it wasn't close to We anything. were driving back to our, our several places and it was like, holy shit, this, this place is out here, man. Yeah, a couple great local Sherpas we played with as yeah. well, Kevin and Mike and... and the boys that uh, came out to show us around, I think that has added so much to these trips is just, you know, even just going around and like, hey, look at that. And they changed this and blah, blah, blah. Like those kinds of little touches have been awesome. Somebody put a no laying up sticker on the bell. On Which I assumed green. was you. It was not me. Yeah, there was like a bell that's like <laughs> like ring when the green is clear. And I, Neil was playing in the group in front of us. I was like, oh, well, Neil put a big ass oh, no, <laughs> put a big ass no laying up sticker on this bell. He's like, no, that wasn't me. It was, it that was, was already sick. there. It must have been the same guy that yelled Icarito on the 18th hole at, at uh, the Genesis last year. Just a complete mystery. We have no I idea know, who it was. I know. It's crazy. Uh, this wrapped up the, uh, the first leg of the trip, and we came back a few weeks later and uh, set up shop in Pinehurst. We stayed at the uh, Donald Ross Cottage um, for the, the Dornick Cottage. The Dornick Cottage uh, for the extent Welcome of our stay. Welcome to Donnie's place. <laughs> <laughs> it's right off the third green at Pinehurst Two. Uh, we saved Pinehurst Two uh, for last amongst the Pinehurst courses. We started at Pinehurst Number Three. None of us had ever played it before. Going up into this, uh, DJ, why don't you take us there? So the best endorsement I can give of Pinehurst Number Three is I'm sure everybody has at least one one round a year where you just completely 
lose like where the bottom of your swing is and it's just like an alien life form that's living inside of you and you just can't make contact with the ball. That was me at Piners number three and I loved every second of playing that golf course. Like I think I shot, it's 5,100 yards, I shot 90. I think it was literally my highest score of the year. Uh, on a golf course where you should not do that, and well, it's definitely I cannot not, speak highly enough about the golf course. Like I short does not it. equal easy. Yeah, but it's not a short course. Yeah, it's not really somewhere you shoot ninety as a whatever fair. kind of handicap that's I am. But uh, no, so designed in nineteen ten uh, or opened in nineteen ten, I should say, by Donald Ross. You're going to hear a lot of a lot of Donald Ross uh, in the next forty minutes of this podcast. But uh, for context, that was three years after he opened number two. Uh, restored in 2017 by Kyle Franz. You're going to hear a lot of Kyle Franz in the next 30 minutes of this podcast. Uh, 5,100 yards, like I said. Um, like it, it, it reminded me a lot of, it, you know, it's kind of a lazy comparison maybe, but just a shrunken down number two, right? I mean, it's the restoration put all those sandy areas and kind of scruffy native grasses and stuff back in. Uh, it, it plays through kind of like a housing community a lot more. Just to back up a bit, though, this is like I, kn- I knew nothing about Pinehurst 3 going into this. It's not marketed at very hard by Pinehurst and included in, I, I would imagine, not cl- included in a ton of packages. This is a course that the members like to play. Right. A lot of the older members at Pinehurst love playing number three and love, love playing number five. They they tend to gravitate towards the odd-numbered uh, Pinehurst courses, which is what we heard. So it was kind of a blind spot, but it is designed more for the members than it is a ton of guest play, as two and four are. Yeah, and I, and I think, you know, you mentioned packages. So, like, most of the people who are going to – I actually shouldn't say most. I don't really know what the breakdown is. But I would assume many of the people who are making their big – bucket list Pinehurst trip are going to play number two, they're going to play number four, and then they're going to have some leftover days to kind of play whatever else. And I think number three is it, you know, number you eight look is at very it, popular too. We have, I've not played number eight. I haven't either. Yeah. Shout out to I'm, the Foss. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's hard. You, uh, you could look at it two ways. You could look at number three as like a, a come down after playing number two. Like I just got my, all my teeth shattered on number two and now just like take me back to somewhere a little more comfortable. Or you could look at it as, like what a perfect warm up for playing number two, which is how I would probably prefer to look at it. If you were going to play number two for the first time, I would love to play number three first because I think the green surrounds after this renovation, especially the green surrounds are similar. I don't think it's quite as severe as number two, but they're smaller. They're a lot smaller. They're harder to hit, which means you're going to miss a lot more greens, which means you're going to be chipping a lot more and you just need to like, it takes you a few holes if you even get it at all to, to get the feel for like how to, play around those greens and so starting with the round at number three i think is a much more low stress because everybody wants to play well at number two and you want to like hang up a good score and i think number three is kind of like the best uh training aid you could possibly have to to go do that yeah like i think too it's is it tragic that they chopped up some of the holes and built condos and housing and all that on number three because it's probably a shell of what it once was absolutely but does that make it any less fun? Yeah, no. And like, so, so I think, you know, that that's part of it is people. <laughs> also, some of the houses are so ridiculous <laughs> that it like legitimately enhanced my experience. Some funky modular like condos. Yeah, to like, the right of seven, there is literally a sign that says, if you trespass here, you will be shot. <laughs> Yeah, North Carolina is kind of weird. <laughs> it's got some some weird uh, energy in, in some places. But I mean, shit. The first the first hole was what like two hundred and two eighty. Yeah, yeah. I, I was a little nervous after the first two holes. I was like, it felt like a not a miniature golf course, but it didn't feel like a 
real, full, complete golf course. You sound like Randy. Well, <laughs> but then from three on, I'm like, any one of these holes that we played from number three on would have fit on any of the Pinehurst courses, I thought. Yeah. That that par five. Number 11. Uh, the, 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 like the big sweeping dog leg right. Yeah. That hole's so cool. That is one of the best holes at Pinehurst. So Tron mentioned uh, three is they, did, they did chop up a couple to uh, to add some houses and, and enhance some of the other holes. Uh, which means that Kyle Franz in 2017, he added two par threes, just kind of shoehorned them in. They didn't feel, they both kind of didn't feel shoehorned in, but they also didn't feel totally out of place either, I, I didn't think. I think it was numbers four and, and eight. Four was the one over the water, um, which is kind of weird to hit a shot over water at, at Pinehurst. That's not really something you see very much. And then number eight was the the one that was kind of perched up on that hill with the, I mean, they were all impossible greens, but that one was especially tough. Um one of the things I thought was really cool about the restoration, looking at like some old old photos and stuff, and I'm, you could definitely say the same thing for number two and number four when we talk about those. But one of the things that these restorations do, so if you if you see pictures of Pinehurst from the '80s or '90s, or you know when you had even when when Payne Stewart was winning there, and uh, all you see is just green grass as far as the eye can see. I think when they put a lot more of these like native areas in, everybody thinks about how it plays around the greens. But when you look at it from the tees, you have these native areas right off the tee, which I think makes the whole thing feel a lot more three-dimensional. Like when when you have nothing but green grass and everything's the same color, you don't notice any of the context. Your eye doesn't like your eye doesn't pick up much of anything other than, you know, here's the hole right in front of me. Whereas when you have these little like layers of scrub and then grass and then more scrub, like it, the whole thing just feels a lot more dimensional, which I think just makes you a little more uncomfortable, which is, which is kind of the point of a 5,100 yard golf course, right? Is to try to trick you up, you know, via your eye and your head rather than, than, you know, not being able to play a 260 yard par four or something like that. 16 and 17 were... 17 was my favorite green complex, especially I think that pin was uh, front where we played it. it. It demanded like the most precise little wedge to, to le- yeah. like find this little sliver of green, I thought. And then if you scrape one to the right off the tee, you're, like, you're hitting it off the roof of one yeah. of the condos. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was just like a microcosm of like you had to hit some really good shots. Yeah, and it's such a – it becomes such a cliche, but like it's one of those courses that if you played it every day and, and you – figured out how to shoot good scores like you would be a much better golfer like it would it would travel you know not not all whatever 75s are created equal i think that would be a a really good one out there i would say like as of maybe five or six holes in you don't you've forgotten that you're playing a short golf course yeah like it just feels like playing golf yes you know but that first couple holes just do feel like okay they're cramming a lot of holes into a small piece of property but like the rest was just like no i'm just playing golf like i'm not what was the whole the that par four over the hill is it four or five five that's five five, five like five oh, and then six is this par three coming yeah. back seven is this crazy dog and that's what left. i mean like that feels Eight's exactly cool like something you'd see on two or four just shrunken down right like yeah. the, the scale's not quite as big the you know the corridors aren't quite as big but like it, it all feels exactly the same yeah was it would you say it's fair to say I, i'm not like telling people book a tea time on number three at pinehurst but like if you're if you're there and you're like if you played number two or played number four that day and you're craving some more golf obviously the cradle's an option the thistle is an option but like the three complements another round of golf really well i oh, think yeah. you can easily do both in totally one day. great it's, second it's round of the day you yeah, don't easy yeah, walk you, you don't need to make a day out of playing number three and I, I i can't speak to one or five i think they're probably somewhat at least similar experiences but they're great 
additives into and complements to the experience. It's not, it's not like, I mean, if you're going to compare Pinehurst to Bannon, it's obviously not, if this is the third best or fourth best course at, at Pinehurst, it doesn't compare to like the fourth best course at Bannon Dunes, obviously. It's not the same depth, but it is a cool, different complement to it, I will say. Yep. Cool. Um, next up, Pinehurst number four. Mr. Neal, why don't you take us there? Definitely. So number four, uh, I think it's gotten a lot of attention. I think the resorts put a lot of um, effort and attention behind it. So Gil Hance redid it, what was that, two years ago? Uh, originally a, a Fazio. Originally a Ross. Originally a Ross, then yeah. uh, Tron's mentor, Tom Fazio. Uh, it's, been, it's, had its, it's been groped by quite yeah, a few people. It, it sure has. I um, think the whole Jones family had their hands on it at one point. Well, well, I Fazio, could have assigned this one to DJ, who also <laughs> wrote a Golfer Journal story in this Fazio one. Fazio so put, <laughs> put a bunch of pop bunkers into it, right? Yeah, as like an homage to Scottish golf. The Foz threw a bunch of, like, shotgun blasted a bunch of pop bunkers out there. But also, like, I, I shouldn't, I don't know. I've never, I never played it when it was like that, but... Uh, yeah, a lot of pop bunkers, but then also like a lot of rough around. So it's not like the ball was like rolling into them. It's just very peculiar. Well, it it seems like they've um, and talking to our uh, my caddy Joe's Wickle, shout out to Joe. Uh, it feels like they've taken number four and they've made it much more like in the same spirit as number two. And so, and I think for people that are traveling to Pinehurst as a resort, that's awesome. You want to play the native area and the sandy type golf that you, you basically, you know, came for the area is known for. I think he, or Joe was telling me that the members don't like it as much because four was uh, provided variety when they used to play it, when it had the azalea bushes. and Also, it's car path only. I think yeah. they don't like either. Yeah, so. <laughs> I also get the sense that the, the members of Pinehurst don't, don't like anything. <laughs> well, true. Um, but I think, you know, as far as, you know, the resort goes, I think it, it, it was an awesome upgrade and I thoroughly enjoy it. I think it's an, uh, an easier course than number two, no doubt about it. I think For it's a, sure. a more relaxing, similar style of golf. It feels a little, it's bigger. So you gotta, you gotta hit the ball. It's like a modern, almost like a modern take on number two. So I, I would definitely kick it over to DJ who's definitely more of an expert on it than no, I No, I think that that's pretty much it. I mean, I, I, like Gil redid it, but the, the, the holes have not changed a lot. There's no, a few on the back that have changed, but for the most part, the corridors exactly. are all the same. Yeah, which which is really cool, I think, because it's cool to see what two different sets of eyes do with the same piece of property, right? And I think that there was a lot that changed for the better. So, like I said, I hadn't played it when it was in its previous iteration, but I love I love number four now, and and I think, like you said, Neil, it's it's nice. It's number two might very well be the best public golf course in the country but like i there's no way i could play it every day right it would be exhausting number four i think i could play every day yeah i love number four well it it is so different than two in that number two you cannot get away with anything you cannot like off the tee you can a little bit but with approach shots like an okay shot is not good enough you will get punished for it a ball will roll and end up in a gully or roll off a green to the side or long or short and number four, you can get away with it. Like yeah. I played when we were there in September. I felt like I played the same round of golf at number two and number four. And I shot 84 at number two, and I shot 73 at number four. Right. Like it's just way friendlier around mm-hmm. the greens, and it just lets you get away with stuff way more, and you can make way more pars out there than number two. That's the difference. Aesthetically, I get what you're saying, and like the ground is connected. The two properties are actually literally connected, and it just rolls from one. But they are very, very, very different golf courses. But I, th- I think it's like a really – I don't know. I know it, it sounds almost like you're kind of manipulating people a little bit, but like I think it's a really smart thing by Pinehurst to do it that way because it 
it makes people feel like they're doing something very similar, except they walk off and they're like, man, I just, like you said, I just shot 12 shots better than I did yesterday. Yeah. Like that was awesome. Like I'm, I'm thinking about our event that we had in September. There were a lot of it, coming off of number two. It looked like we're in the mash unit. Like as people are drinking beers, they're just like exhausted and just beating the fuck up. And coming off number four, everyone is just like so much happier and smiling. And we might've drank too much the night before. Th- that's uh, certainly possible well. for sure. But yeah, I, I just think it's really cool to have both. I want to get that on the record before Tron says how much he doesn't like number four. Before he, before he does that, <laughs> I'd say my favorite holes were the back-to-back drivable fours, 15 and 16. Yeah. I think that's a really cool stretch. Which 15 is only drivable for you, man. <laughs> just so much, well, just so yeah, 15 is not drivable. I, I really enjoy four, and I actually played four pre-restoration or renovation or whatever, and I think it's so much better now. Uh, I, I wanted to shout out, though, I think number two is such a fun par five. The green complex and i also think 18 is is a really That's nice a finish. finishing hole i was gonna say in the Number sake of positivity one seventeen, one sixteen, seventeen, eighteen 16 17 18 are like four of my favorite holes on the whole property yeah all right but number two you don't like number two however hole number two uh, yeah, hole number two is the, is the hole where you whiff the chip that one for sure <laughs> <laughs> um for, for whatever reason i've never i've i always score better on number two than i do number four um you know, I, I don't know. I just number four always to me. How many times have you played number four? Four now. The new number four. Yeah. Okay. Um, it just feels like lipstick on a pig a little bit to me. Where you know, there's it. It doesn't flow as much. There's some really good holes out there. I think you know the holes are and and I think for for what for all the acclaim it's gotten, I don't think it's even in the same zip code as number two. And for what they charge for number two versus number four, like there's only a $75 difference between the two in the high season. I think that's just criminal to me. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, there's definitely some good holes. There's a ton of variety. Um, but like a good example for me is no, number nine. It's the, it's a par five hell's half acre. And, but the hell's half acre, the only people it's, it, it's affecting are just shitty resort play because it's, the, the, Explain what the hazard how it sets up. So, you know, you, you tee off. You don't have to worry about the bunkers off the tee. Um, and then on the second shot, it's pretty. You know, you're not you're not worried about it if you're if you're hitting if you can hit it over 200 yards in the air. You're not worried about it. But if you're if you're a resort guest who's you know just kind of duffing it down the fairway, you basically have to have to lay it up to you know 100 and. 70 yards out or try to hit this hero shot that that you can't hit and i'm, I'm all for it but it, it's either like make it a little bit narrower or um you know it, it, it just doesn't there's just some details missing in certain spots i enjoyed number nine but it, that is a very good point i because i can hit the ball i think it's a cool hole i think it's there. a really cool like really cool green um, it's good visual- for low handicappers yeah and it's visually uh very interesting so um, and then like the, the par five along the water on the back, was that? Four, 13. 13. Yeah. I think that hole's sweet, but it definitely oh, doesn't, it flow. Just doesn't, it doesn't fit, flow though. with the course. That's, yeah. that's a fair does, take, but it is an awesome, but hole. that's another one where I think he's, you know, I don't want to make excuses for it, but like he, you know, he, he he's kind of dealt his hand already. On for that. Sure. Well, you know what it, I mean? That's like, my I, point. I think yeah. they did a good job, but I, I don't like, I, I don't think the bones and the, like they use all the same corridors and everything. I don't think. Which is interesting in itself because, like, the land is by far the most dramatic yeah. land on any of the golf courses. So, like, I, I think that there's 
the land is fantastic, and so like there's clearly something there. Um, so yeah, to have weak holes is kind of interesting, I guess. Uh, I think 17 is probably the sexiest, like one of the sexiest holes on the whole property. Yeah, it's just straightaway par five slopes way down and then comes back up and really really handsome green up there and then 18 i think is better than 18 on number two yeah that holds great dog leg right uh kind of kind of double dog leg yeah like um and just really cool driving hole and they can put that pin over on the right and make it diabolical i like number four a lot i think it uh i was okay on it when we played it from the white tees and then when we played it from the blue tees this time around it made way 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 more sense i think it's very important course to get from the right tee box um i like that you can get away with more things on, on that i just felt i just flowed a lot better as far as just the i don't know it was a weird squeeze like i said from the whites and from the blues it felt a lot better but i i would disagree on the flow i think it flows great i really really enjoy the golf course i thought uh it grew on me from the second time compared to the first time i think first time i was kind of Eh, I was expecting a little bit more, and then second time through, I'm like, oh, now I kind of see what's going on here. The, from this tee box, this tee shot makes a lot more sense because of this reason, blah, blah, blah. And I, I like it. I love number four. Dividing between the two, it's still very extreme. So in that, I agree. I think it's like probably eight on number two and two on number four for me. I mean, it, two is just – you can't compare it. It's it's Number two is one of the most special golf courses in the world. And if people have interpreted, and I can see how you can get to that conclusion of how it's marketed, that like number four and number two are the ones, like it is so very clear that four is is inferior to number two. And I don't think anyone out there would even remotely argue it. There's a lot of resort players that probably would like to play four more than two because they For value sure. how they would play more yeah, than they do I think the golf that's course. The, that's the important caveat is like if you're talking from a golf course architecture standpoint, like number two is not in the same realm. Right. Or you know, number four is not in the same realm. Number two is in its own realm. If you're talking from yeah, the enjoyment of you know which, what's better for a resort guest, like it's also maybe not a question either. Right. <laughs> like, I there's guess probably a lot of people who play number two that don't need to play number two. Yeah. On the flow, or don't don't like it. Comment for like reasons. eleven, twelve, thirteen is really where it loses a little bit of gas for me. Eleven's part three. See, yeah, twelve I, I dis- goes yeah, up I don't respectfully. Yeah, disagree I don't. too because I think twelve is twelve's the par four to the left right yeah which i think is like a really cool green awesome cool green with like some weird kind of like deception-y kind of ridges in front of the green i think that i don't know there's a lot of ross even like in those holes that have has been put back in i love on the second time again this is what i felt was important 13 is a little out of left field is i I agree there it's important to play the right tees and that where the fairways start to bend and where the challenge comes in and hitting the fairways comes into play a lot more a lot more strategically from the right tee box. Like if your ball is, if you hit it 270, playing the right tee that, you know, it, mat- like it matters. It, what I'm saying, if you hit it 270 and you're playing too far up, like the, the design or the goal of a lot of the tee shots goes out the window. Like the one hole, number eight, that like when we played it from the white tees, you could just blow it right over the, the cross bunkers. It kind of took away the strategic element of like once we played it back, like nobody could blow it over, well, Huber could, but nobody else could blow it uh, cool, over those bunkers. Uh, so... We didn't mention that Huber was on this trip also. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Shout out to the Young Hitters program, yeah. Justin Huber. And Lauren Coughlin as well. Shout out to Huber's Toys. Yeah. Yes. We play Norma with Huber's Toys a lot. No free ads. But. That's right. Anything else on Piners 4 before we move on? I, the only con- constructive criticism I'd add is I've played it twice post-renovation. Uh, the pace has been so slow. Yeah. Uh, for like a very walkable course that's not as severe as number two, like around the greens, they got to figure out a way to – Pick up the pace. The pace there. is better both times I've played. 
two compared to four. Yeah. That's been the, uh, uh, very noticeably faster on two. The third hole, that par four, mm-hmm. just absolutely has my number. I cannot get off the tee on that hole. That's a cool hole. That's a really, like that. that's a really cool hole. It's a cool green, too. Yeah. Do you think there. the way you played on four affects your opinion of it? For sure. No, but <laughs> no, I, I'll be the first to admit that. But it, but I also, there's just, there's some par fours out there that just don't, I don't know, like, they, they just don't fit my eye, and they're just not my kind of golf, you know? Fair. All right, next up, we did a big divide and conquer day. Tron and I went to Mid Pines. The Strat Boys went to Pine Needles, and DJ and Huber went to Southern Pines. Tron, why don't you kick us off with, uh, with Mid Pines? Mid Pines is fantastic. Um, the only knock on it, I think, is that they overseed in the winter, um, which I don't know why you'd do that up there. Uh, Donald Ross, I think 1921. Donald Ross. Um, Restored by? Kyle Franz, and actually Kyle Franz lives on property. Um, Kelly Miller, the president of Mid Pines and Pine Needles, um, offered that up to him. Um, had a chance to sit down with him before the round, and just great, great hospitality, great host, and the hotel on site. The whole place just feels like a throwback. I think there's only really one weak hole out there. I would say, is that the the one with the Third lake hole, three? Yeah. yeah. Par fives are great. There's some great par fours. The par threes is that's the closest I've felt to the sand belt. In like maybe, you know, I'm sure Ohoopy or Congaree or somewhere like that, but they're all in that 150, 170 range. But man, it is like really, really pushed up bunkers and kind of terrifying lips there in front. I'll say it's one of the most weirdly aesthetically pleasing golf courses I've ever played. And that especially with what if you saw pictures of it before what Kyle did, it was so unappealing to the eye. But bringing back like the native areas and the brush and redoing the sand, the, the color of the sand is so vibrant. And that it the, the way the sun hits through those pines and there's a lot more land movement to it than a lot of the courses at Pinehurst. Um, and it, it's only about 15 minutes from Pinehurst. And this is this is a place that like is why we always recommend people going to Pinehurst is not only the courses there that are fantastic, but the other experiences you can have there. And it, you have to build in time for mid pines, pine needles, uh, and southern pines because of how, like, the proximity is so good and how great these golf courses are. Uh, it, it's challenging, it's tough, but there's, like I said, there's a lot of land movement to it. There's some unbelievably good holes on that back nine. The back nine. That crazy. stretch of 14 and 15, I think, there's a par four that goes uh, up this ridge, and then 15 is a dramatic par five. I hope I have those whole numbers right. Uh, on the back nine, it's it's tough. We would, the I way played, it uses that that hill on the yeah. back goes back and forth along this hill. Um, just spectacular, like use of the land, and you got to hit every shot in your bag too. I mean, it's definitely it's not it's not long, but it's yeah. yeah. There's some short, like almost drivable par fours. There's just a great variety of you know lengthy par fours. Yeah, every club in the bag gets a good use out. It is it is a brilliant, brilliant golf course in great shape when we were there. I, I want to go another crack at it because I played so bad that day, and I just felt like I wasted one of my favorite courses I've played in, uh, in, in definitely anywhere in the Carolinas. And it's a great value for what you're, you know, I think it, uh, other than maybe, you know, high season, you know, midday on a weekend, it's maybe above 200, but otherwise it's... I didn't it's, know it's what it cost. First time I played it, yeah. I was like, okay, that's probably, that's probably 400 bucks, right? And then I went in and they're like, no, like, well, our rate's like 150 today. I was like, whoa, yeah. okay. That is very, very reasonable for that experience. So uh, right on directly across the street, you could walk it if you wanted to, is Pine Needles. Uh, Strat Boys, you want to tell us about that one? Pine Needles was, I thought, a treat. Uh, so Neil and I played it with Lauren Coughlin and her husband. 
Who's Lauren? We should introduce who Lauren is, by the way. So she's uh, one of our newest young hitters. She uh, is an LPGA player. Went to the University of Virginia. Um, what what other biographical information am I missing? It's all it's all going to be in the episode. You're just gonna yeah. you're going to be hearing a lot more from us on uh, on Lauren Coughlin this coming year. But. So as you like, pine needles, mid pines, very close to one another, owned by the same family. I think uh, what's cool about pine needles and um, Neil can chime in. I, I thought getting to play it with an LPGA player was a treat because Pine Needles is really one of the epicenters of the women's game. It was uh, bought in 1954 by Peggy Kirk Bell, who was an outstanding amateur player in the 40s and 50s and then was instrumental in the founding of the LPGA Tour. She would call Pine Needles home, had a house right off uh, the 18th, taught there for over 60 years. She was Stringer Bell's grandmother. That's exactly right. <laughs> well, um, many people don't know. Right. Le'Veon's great-grandmother. <laughs> and and so um, I, I should go back. The Pine Needles itself is a Donald Ross. Originally opened in 1927. It was restored in 2017 by... Kyle France. Kyle France. Um, and so the clubhouse, it, it's, a, it's a really... Pretty piece of property, uh, great facilities. The clubhouse has done a great job of showing off the history of Pine Needles and also of Peggy Kirk Bell. Lots of pictures and articles hung on the walls. Uh, I think Neil and I enjoyed a game of pool down downstairs. There was a pool table, Billy a ping pong table. We sure did. Yeah. Um, and so... It's just very uh, inviting, I guess. The course itself, it kind of goes up and over and across terrain. Uh, it's, you know, hilly is relative for that part of the country, but there is some elevation on that course. I think it's it's pretty walkable. The only thing, like, getting to that number three, the part three, you know, you, you have a couple instances where you might have to walk a little bit uh, from green to tea. They insisted we use carts. Yeah, so they, they put us in carts, so we rode, but I, you could you could walk it if, if you really wanted to. Um, They've heard legends about the Strap Boys pace of play. <laughs> right. Uh, it, it's Too fast. It's like the Pinehurst course. I mean, it's like all these courses in that the fairways are wide, but if you get off the fairway, right, there's like really no rough. There's native area. There's sand. And then you get into the trees. So if you, if you miss fairways, then, you know, your second shot could be a little dicey. You might have tree trouble. You might, you know, depending on in, in the native area where your ball ends up, uh, it could be a little dicey. But the, the green complexes are interesting. They're not as severe as number two. But you, you love green green complexes. You've been well, saying that a lot. I say complex because I, I think... complex it, guy. Well, I think, I think in my mind, like complex, I think of the surrounds and the shades. How it interacts the, with all the... With yeah, it, it's yeah. truly more of a complex, whereas some courses, it's like, oh, yeah, it's just the short grass in a circle and there's really not much around it, whereas pine needles, man, if you miss a green and it rolls off the green, you're down a bank and it's shaved and all of a sudden it's like, oh, God, how am I get this up There were some big drop-offs. That's what I noticed, more so than number four, similar to some of the holes on number two, like number five, the par five on number two. Mm-hmm. Like if you miss long left there, and you're like 20 feet down in a gully. There How were many a, times did you miss long left there? Once. Uh, <laughs> I just mean on the same day. It was two or three. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Let's not, we'll talk about that later. Uh, but I thought it was a, a very, very, very enjoyable round of golf. Yeah, it's Hi- just highly recommended. For sure enjoyable. Uh, the last thing 
I, I, a couple things. It's going to host the 2022 U.S. Women's Open, which will be the fourth time it's hosted that event. The other shout out, the In the Rough Lounge, I thought was was. What well, it looks really like an cool. old Swiss hotel, you know, like a chalet. Yeah. Like there's a hotel there, and the bar and grill was great. It's one of those where the bar is set below floor level. Love it. Oh, yeah, it's the best. So it was. It's just a cool spot to have a have a drink after the round. Neil and I both. I, I thought it was just such a enjoyable day. Comparing and contrast them, uh, it's it's just a little bit bigger. I think Pine Needles is like I remember going. I played them both in one day a couple years ago, and mid pines you need to hit a couple irons off tees. You need to shape some shots, and then like Pine Needles, you go out and pound some drivers. Sure. Like you can hit. There's plenty of room out there to hit some drivers. Hey, yeah. <laughs> well, I would say that I, I didn't. You were talking about the how visually appealing mid pines is. I didn't feel that. I thought it was a nice walk in the woods, but yeah. I didn't feel like uh, pine needles was visually. It, like, I agree. Oh my god! Look at the look at the backdrop of this hole, or look at the. And I think, I think what goes into that is that pine needles. There are a number of holes where you can't see the green complex from the tee, and, yeah. and so it's it's shielded a lot of times. I, Shout out, Trump. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, DJ, take us to Southern Pines. Southern Pines was awesome. That was uh, awesome. It was awesome. Uh, it was one of my favorite days of the trip. Historic little uh, little eighteen hole golf course built in nineteen oh six by Donald Ross. Fun fact is that he built nine holes from from what I've gathered, and there's a ton of conflicting information and arguing information about Southern Pines, but. Uh, what everybody can seem to agree on is the first nine opened in 1906, and then the second nine opened in 19, sometime between 1910 and 1912. Was it the first one he built in the area? Right. So then in, in between those, he built number two, uh, between building the first nine and the second nine at Southern Pines, which is kind of fun. Uh, there's also an abandoned nine that he did, which is uh, a whole other piece of the property. It is totally... Uh, striking and weird to see now because you can see all the shapes you can see it where all the bunkers are but it's all just completely grown over and it's like a cross-country track basically there like a, a par six over there or something i don't know i'd have to check on that okay and get back <laughs> i thought, might I be. thought that sounds we vaguely about familiar. right like there's yeah there's a par six <laughs> um yeah shout out to uh we had a we played with a, a local friend of the program cody uh who was taking us around showing us some of the stuff and uh sharing some of the the local legends um, the, the way to kind of describe Southern Pines is it, it has all the aspects of every course that we've described in Pinehurst so far, except it's 50 bucks. And it is like, if you want to call it the, uh, the strapped course to the, the C-suites that are, are surrounding it, uh, I suppose you could do that. But it has all the bones of a Donald Ross course. It's got all the, uh, all the, the shot values, the green complexes, the land movement, you know, all the, all the things you want to throw out. It has all of those except for... It's a fifty dollar golf course. It's it's definitely a, a little tired, a little sleepy, a little rundown. It's it's a nice change of pace, weirdly, from uh, you know if you're going and playing all these beautiful, immaculate, well run golf courses all around Pinehurst. Uh, it's it's kind of different to be like, yeah, just go grab any cart and like go ahead, and then go out there and just play like a world class uh, kind of shaggy golf course. It's it's very much a vibe that I like. What I remember about the end of this day where we all kind of debriefed and told each other about the day was the surprise that how much Huber loved it. Yeah. 
be based on what you just said, like the shagginess, like pros love courses that have great conditioning. Like that is a, like a minimum barometer for them that they need to clear, yeah. which it, Southern Pines doesn't seem to quite have in, to the extent that the other courses and do. I, and I will say that the, the conditions when we were there were fine. Like yeah. I've seen a ton online and it's we posted scruffier. some stuff yeah. and people were like, oh my God, I would never go there. The greens were so bad last time I was there and there was no grass on the fairways. And so like... Uh, that was not our experience. Like everything was just getting lit up on golf advisor. Yeah, exactly. It's everything in was comparison. in awesome shape in comparison to the other courses. What I'm saying, yeah. but I, the, the how much he enjoyed that course, based even with that factor in there, was like he, he, I was like, hey, how to go today? He's like, unbelievable. And I think I the reason it. is like it's just it feels like a place where people play golf every day. It feels like you know we say this when we get back from strap trips all the time, where it's like. Dude, say what you want about like equipment companies and like grow the game initiatives and all that stuff, but like just go hang out at one of these places for a while. Like this is where normal ass people play golf. Like this is how most people are introduced to the game. This is how most people play every week. This is how people sneak out away from like the kids for two hours to play nine holes on a Thursday night. Like th these are the places where where people go, and the fact that you have that vibe with like literally world-class uh, architecture. I mean, every single hole you stepped up on the tee and I like, I just had like a big dumbass smile on my face every time we got to the tee box. Cause I'm like, God, I, this is unbelievable that this place is, is $50 to, to come see this place. It feels like you're, I don't know. It kind of feels like walking through a museum or something. It's. I thought the same it's, thing. Elks. It's, it's Speaking awesome. of the elks. Yeah. So the so that that was gonna be my last point. So the big uh, there's a couple points of contention about uh, Southern Pines, in that it is owned uh, since I think around 1960. Uh, the Elks Club of Southern Pines uh, owns the golf course. So you probably haven't heard that. There, there's not a lot of Elks clubs that own a lot of golf courses, so I'm not sure. Uh, Randy, you're an Elk, right? <laughs> I, I, well, I'm waiting initiation. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think there's probably some – I don't know. I don't even want to like wade into what I'm sure are very complicated local politics, but the place is – it's owned by the Elks Club. I think they march very much to the beat of their own drum and, and maybe don't do things – very similarly to the way a lot of other golf courses do them. Which is sick. Which is sick, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think they've been trying to kind of unload this place for a while. I think the Elks Club is maybe possibly looking to divest their interest in Southern Pines Golf Club. And it seems like they always uh, get to the end, like they'll find buyers and they'll get to the kind of like the end of these deals and they just fall apart. And from everything I, I can read, and again, I'm sure it's endlessly more complicated like when you get into the local politics of it, but from everything I can read, a lot of it has to do with the, the lost nine holes, which is just like this vacant land now. And what a lot of people who want to buy the golf course want to do is like buy, buy up that land and like develop it. Like kind of obviously, like that's what you would think a lot of people who are looking to buy this land would do. And the Elks Club, to their credit, are I think are very much like, no, this is like an old Donald Ross course. Like you can't develop this. You can't put houses up. Like we need to be thinking about restoring this, not, uh, you know, not putting up houses. And so that's been the big sticking point in a lot of these deals falling apart. But the big news, uh, even like since we played it in December, they have signed a letter of intent, uh, to sell it now to a group of investors, which includes, uh, the aforementioned Kelly Miller, the president of, uh, for CEO or COO, uh, I forget what his title is of the group that owns Mid Pines and Pine Needles, uh, who is an elk himself as well. And who is in Peggy Kirk Bell's family. Exactly. And Stringer Bell's family. Correct. Yeah. And Lady. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and David Bell. So anyway, so we could have a whole other separate conversation about what that means for Southern Pines. I know I've only been there once, but I 
from the outside looking in, I think it would be sad if uh, some of that local, uh, you know, kind of where the locals play vibe was to go away. Uh, on the other hand, if you wanted to spruce it up and restore it and, you know, make it another one in the portfolio of golf courses you could go charge 150 or $200 for, like, you're not that far away from doing it. So uh, it's just going to be very interesting to see what happens there. It'd be so cool if they could do the three three nines. I always love going yeah. and you can kind of take, take one of the nines out. Yep. 27 holes be. is the right amount of golf for a day. Yeah. 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 Um, all can right. Can we talk about the, the town of Southern Pines sure. for a sec? Just because I think that, that really, really cool, interesting, like meaningful place. Yeah, that was the first time I'd, I've been to Pinehurst, I don't even know, four or five times. And I think literally that was like the first time I had really left the resort and gone out into the town and eaten at some different places and seen some other places. And like, yeah, it's so, I mean, the resort's great. Nobody likes the resort more than I do, but it's uh, it's great to get out and, and go see some other stuff. We had to drag you out of the spa. <laughs> that's, that's false. Well, I think it's interesting. It's on the back side of, uh, it's on the back side of Fort Bragg. So a lot of the, you know, uh, higher ups in the military and special forces live over Again. in Southern Pines. Shout out to the cat. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but also, like, 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 we went to the the Irish pub one night and we're at trivia. Oh, best oh trivia game I've ever that, been to. That, that was the highlight of the trip. He's one of the foremost weapons experts in the oh world. Oh my yeah, god, we were there I with, had uh, the harshest goat <laughs> ever. He. We walked in. He was like, "You guys playing trivia?" I've we're never like, seen. Uh, we are now. How much do we owe you? <laughs> I've never seen a more. I mean this so sincerely. Like but I've never seen it, a more earnest yeah, trivia yeah. host in my he life. He was so passionate about so his passionate. He, remember, he the was un, he was unveiling the new picture idea, and it wasn't. He was like, it wasn't quite going as he had planned. But <laughs> like, God damn it, this is not how I intended this to go. And so it was like this whole like very like self aware comical situation. And we're there with uh, Jim Moriarty, the great golf writer who lives in Southern Pines and he just leans over he's like you realize like that's literally one of the, the world's most foremost expert like weapons experts he's like, that the country he's has like, and he's just like <laughs> fumbling with this overhead projector a real life Stanley Goodspeed yeah it, it was unbelievable no, but there's some great restaurants I think I ate at Chapman's three times that trip Ch- uh, the bar at Chapman's, Chapman's was that, place is that bartender handled his business Fantastic. too yeah for sure. Moving on, two courses remaining, one of which is Pinehurst number two. Um, I hogged all the the major championship venues for, for the sake <laughs> Very of cool. uh, Yeah, it's really cool. Pinehurst two. Yeah, I, that was good. We I, can move on. I've said it before. It is uh, still my favorite course I've ever played in the United States. Uh, I've never played somewhere that's kicked my ass so hard that, but doesn't deter you from wanting to go back out there. Like you walk off shooting 85 and be like, I, I want to go right now. Like I can do it. I can do it. I, I got it now. I got it now. And you go out and do it again. And you just, you don't have it. Like you just don't, it's it just totally mystifying golf course. You don't lose balls. The fairways are wide. Uh, the native area is usually very playable yet. You, f- you just never feel comfortable over an approach shot, or I don't ever feel comfortable over an approach shot. It's so demanding for a low handicap player, but it's very welcoming to a high handicap player because of the run up areas. You can putt from everywhere like I said, it's wide fairways and you're going to find your ball. I played there with my uncle a couple years ago and he's like, I have never had more fun shooting 97 in my life because I did not lose a golf ball once. I'll say like the first two times I played it, I played so well and I didn't have any scar tissue on it. I didn't have the fear yet. And once, once I played it once without my top game, I started to realize how much bite the course actually has. Like good shots. I said this earlier, good shots are not okay. 
you don't get away with anything. It's just like, okay, you have to hit like very great shots to very conservative targets. And I wish I could explain why that's so fun to me, but it is just like the most engaging and thought provoking challenge that I feel like I've had stateside. Watching Huber play from, he played from the US Open plates, um, shot 69, one under 69, 17 pars nice. and a birdie. And uh, no bogey free from the US Open tees. Yeah, and and didn't make a putt outside of six feet. Yeah, I mean it was it was it was like a, a clinic. Um, but yeah, I mean there's there's some whole like Donnie's place, Dornick Cottage was on the third green, and which is possibly the most maybe the diabolical. Best. Yeah, green. maybe like the coolest green in the country. So well, being able to go out there and yeah, you know, like like I feel like I hit the first four greens in regulation and I was like holy shit like I'm playing my ass off and then you know and then like you hit one bad shot and you're like there it is all right I just tripled well (laughs) what I love about it is how much the green shapes are like commensurate with the whole length so three is like 352 yards which you know you know you'd sit on that tee like oh fine an easy hole no it should terrify you the most of any of them because it is the most diabolical green four the next hole is like one of my favorite par fours in the world long ass par four winding up the hill to the left big green and maybe one of the easiest ones and then you come back on five reachable par five but weirdly wildly deceiving it doesn't look that crazy to your eye until you realize it is one of the hardest greens anywhere. Like, Even um, one. Like, one, yeah, it punches you right away. Like, I've never played a place where you walk off like, okay, like that was okay. What did I make? Oh, that was, oh, that was double. Yeah, how did, I make, how did I make double? And then, but again, it doesn't deter you from wanting to keep going or like yeah. make you want to quit. The first time I played there, I, I, on the first three holes, legitimately felt like I didn't miss a shot. And I went seven, six, seven. <laughs> I was like, dude, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I'm hitting it great. <laughs> like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. To your point, I played it twice. One time I had the shanks with Solly. And I <laughs> was, shot, that, was that fun? No, not? I shot 94. And then <laughs> this time I played and I thought, I was like, damn, I'm kind of hitting the ball well. You, shot 94. Can you, please, <laughs> can you please, please share your take that you gave, that you said to me on the course about the breakfast club? Oh, yeah. Well, because it, I, I was... You just get so frustrated. It's one of my previous takes was also it's like baseball parlance. It's like the easiest zero for four you've ever had. Uh, like God, this pitcher's not thrown much, but I just can't. I can't hit it. Uh, and so walking up the yeah the tenth or eleventh fairway with Neil, I'm like Neil, you know what this course is? That scene in the Breakfast Club where uh, what's the principal's name? Who could say? Who could say? But Donnie's the principal. Yeah, Donnie's the principal. You're Bender. I'm Bender just sitting there just mouthing off like, yeah, give me another double. I don't care. (laughs) Donnie's like, all right, there's another one. Like, screw you, man. Give me another one. I don't care. My scorecard's ruined. He's like, all right, there's another double. (laughs) You want another double, Randy? I got you all summer. (laughs) Done? No. Yeah, no. no. Yes. Your score's ruined. I don't care. (laughs) Another double. Yeah. That's like no. So number five, you could you could legitimately make eagle or or nine. triple. <laughs> yeah. I have been greenside in two and made eight. Yeah, yeah like very easily. It's such pong. a nasty, nasty. It's so green. hard. Like slopes right to left, back to front, um, and then six is one of the more diabolical par three greens I've ever played in my entire life. Again, the way every time I've tried to describe this course, I feel like I'm describing a miserable experience. Yet somehow it is not like in yeah. no part, in no way. I, I, I said 
you know, if people liked watching Royal Melbourne on TV and like dream of playing a golf course like that, but don't want to go to Australia, I think Piners Two is as close to that exercise yeah. as I've experienced stateside. It's not Royal, it's not similar, but like the idea of you know just battling and trying not to have balls roll out into bunkers and playing slopes and realizing how important the angles are into certain greens is like that's as good as you can. I think I feel like. Piners weirdly gets a bad rep because 2014 U.S. Open was boring because of Keimer just blowing people away. Oh, the next but, one's going to be so good. I but think. his performance was so yeah. unbelievable. And the, honestly, NBC did a really bad – like Johnny Miller, like he's literally coming up the 72nd hole like, oh, he's going with the putter yet again. It's like he's done this the entire time <laughs> and you have no appreciation for how great he's putted from off the green, which is so hard to do. That was the week Trump was tweeting about uh, how, how, bad, brown it was. how brown it was, how bad, the, how bad it was for golf. <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting too – a lot of the a lot of the native areas have, have really grown in now too, to where it's not like yeah, there, oh yeah, just there is some penalty. Better. Whereas then it was it was you know it was very much like you're probably going to get a good lie. Now it's it's a, maybe a quarter or a half shot penalty. Yeah. So I think one of the things that's important to keep in perspective, which will lead into a decision that Neil and I made, is I think everything you're talking about is so true, but I think it also is so dependent on how good of an iron player you are. And like it's all distance control. It's yeah. all distance control. And so a lot of this stuff is like, like yes, watching a professional golfer out there. It's like the best exercise of watching of testing a professional golfer. Yes, it's like, dude, you can do stuff that like if I hit it there, it's either, you know, three times out of ten, like it's an accident that I hit it there. Like I'm not, I'm just not a good enough iron player to actually like execute these kinds of demands. So I can get it around the green. And I still have a great time. The point is. If you're an average player, like I would say most of us are, you're going to miss a lot of greens just because that's the nature of the beast, which is why I think Neil and I decided uh, to play hickories, which is something they started offering. And I know all this is sounds like so punchable and hipstery and, and all that stuff, but like legitimately was the most fun I had on the whole trip. It was the because of the golf course, top, I think. Top two or three round of golf of the year last year, easily. Most enjoyable experience. We played a tee up. We played with Lauren and... Uh, Randy, Randy played up with us, and we we what was it sixty two hundred? And God, it was so much fun. It was so much fun, and and with the hickories, like you're, I don't know, just you are in a complete chess match. It's well, so you're, fun. You're kind of like okay, I know I hit this niblick, like <laughs> I maxed it out at like one ten. So then, it's all feel. Yeah. It's like all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna. And when you can run the it. when you can run the ball up like that, like it's it's possible to have it all be. Fair. And it feels really good when yeah. you hit those clubs. Well, you yeah. don't think golf swing as much with exactly. those. I imagine you're no, just you like, don't at all. Yeah. It sounds just like, like you I, guys should have played the hickories at Rome over in East with us. We well, should. But we had we had we had, to go, we had to go find content. Uh, Neil had to get a haircut. The last two times I've played there, I've not chipped. Which that's the TC way. <laughs> that's the TC way. Uh, I find the short game shots really fun. Like they're really yeah. hard, oh, but yeah. I find them so fun. Well, well so part fun. of it is like you know, oh yeah, it's so like I didn't putt well or whatever. Like no, like the reason you didn't putt well is because you hit your irons like shit, or like yeah. you know, yeah. like it's and I think like thirteen is the that's the par four up the hill to the left. Yeah, like oh, that's such a nasty, nasty hole. Is that the awesome one you got D green done? I landed it past the pin and it came back and it like came all the way back. It <laughs> took like 45 <laughs> seconds for the ball to stop rolling. God, that smack so in good. the face. I, I love it. I, I can't wait to go back. I, there's like there's 15 holes that are the best hole yeah. out there. I mean, I, like I had never played Pebble Beach until last month. I played Pebble Beach. I don't even think Pebble Beach is in the same is in the same class as as Pinehurst. Like if if that's not the best public course in the United States, like it might be the best course I've played in the United States. Period. Yeah, 
I, I get no I, arguments. I'd say, as me. Gary Player would say, for the love of golf, you've go. got to go. Go. You've got to go. <laughs> Last but not least, Tobacco Road, final round of the trip. TC, take us there. Yeah, so Tobacco Road, another Mike Strands. One thing with Strands I want to maybe you know cover a little bit is I think the myth of Mike Strands is maybe taken on a life of its own. Where see the uh, yeah. the association that Neil made earlier in the podcast. Yeah, Listen, Neil, you're not helping. You guys, man. Asked, you're hurt. You asked for for my take, and I had to share it. And you know, I certainly respect. Like, I don't think you know some of this. Like, he does a lot of stuff, right? He, he throws a lot at you. He throws a lot of visual tricks and all sorts of stuff. Is it all like? Does it all work? Probably not. <laughs> but like, he does is eighty percent of it work? Absolutely, and it's right. really cool. And there's certain stuff where you're like, dude, like the fuck was that like that you know but but for the most part like it's 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 incredibly interesting and like you, you just feel invigorated when you're playing and it should horses. be said that you know we, we talked about how different true blue was from caledonia and it should definitely be said that tobacco road is like the most extreme aspects of both of those courses turned up to a million yeah turn it all the way <laughs> all the way well up. and i think it embodies um you know, shout out to the the Bruff Creek guys, but it, it embodies like it was an old mine, and the owner of the company was like, "Yeah, this would be awesome land for a golf course." Yeah, and they just built a golf course basically in their backyard, and it's it's like, "Hey, let's bring this guy in to do it," and we've got these crazy, you know, uh, landscapes because of how we've mined how we've mined it. Can you do something with this? And he just he did. It was it's awesome. Well, and so going back to Strands too, I think it's it's interesting because like it's not easy to do something that's truly and wholly unique. Totally. Right. And, and especially at a time, you know, we talked about Kiowa, like when, when Kia was going up and everybody's like, God, just make it so hard. Just make it like punish people, make them lose golf balls, all that stuff. And like tobacco road, it's not easy for sure. But a lot of it again is, is visually, I think that it makes you get inside a lot your easier. own head. Yeah. It's a lot easier than it looks. And I think to your point, like he also, he just bucked like all the trends of the moment. I mean, he rode well. around on horseback. He <laughs> rode around on horseback. Yeah, <laughs> and we didn't really mention it, but like, if you don't know anything about Strands, like, there's there's a lot more to be learned about him. He tragically passed away. I forget what year, two thousand six or something like that. Uh, but he was a young guy in mid fifties or something, I believe, uh, throat cancer, and passed away. And so, yeah, it's it's weird to see Tobacco Road and just like the directions he was going and the more confidence he was getting and like. It would have been really cool to see how far he would have so pushed I, it on, on future projects, I, I or if he would have dialed it of, back, or, or what would have happened. I gained a lot of appreciation for Tobacco Road and Caledonia after playing Monterey Peninsula, the shore course, because um, you saw a lot of those, you know, a lot of the same features or a lot of the same, you know, devices that he used, um, but just on a really like world class piece of land and and kind of a little bit of like a little bit turned down. Almost like it was a little bit more editing in it, right? And um, but then you know, like I would see something there, and then I'd be like, "Man, like that—that that reminds me of that hole at Tobacco Road." And then you realize, like, all right, like that's where he started with the idea at Tobacco Road or Caledonia, and so he was just getting started. So I think that was—that's such an important thing to note is like, if this guy had another 10, 15, 20 years of of fine tuning, you know, all of his, yeah philosophies it would have been so impactful not only fine-tuning i think one thing you said like you know for certain people some elements just might not agree with them or they might not like it and i think that's kind of the real artist in him was he was willing to try a bunch of 
different stuff. And like any, I think, good artist, it's like <laughs> some some might not land. Uh, but yeah, with 15, 20 more years, it's like, shit, what else would he have right. kind of come up with or, or where else would his mind have gone? I think one of the most interesting things that I took away, it was the only time I played Tobacco Road, but uh, – you know, we talked about Pinehurst number two, how a lot of the slopes are repelling balls away from the hole, and it just that makes it even harder. When you stand on some of the fairways and you're looking into some of the greens at Tobacco Road, like they're the most mean spirited looking things ever. Like they look alien and like you're on a different planet and just like impossible. But I found, and maybe it was just like where the pins were or where I happened to like hit the ball or whatever, but it seemed like the slopes were a lot more helping. Uh, you know, they more oftentimes than not they're helping your ball get closer to the hole rather than pushing it away from the hole, which I think is yeah. uh, it's like a cool it's a cool balance between how hard it looks and and how it actually plays. So big takeaways, I think, um, like fifteen is a perfect example of what you're saying, DJ. Where like you're like, where do I hit it here? Like, there's I don't even I don't even see where the green is, and then you get up there and you're like, oh, this is easy, <laughs> like, right? You know? Yeah. Uh, well, but we but, played with the pro, which was yeah. So so, so just talking about the experience that day too, it was absolutely freezing. <laughs> it was like 28 degrees, <laughs> hand warmer, the coldest yeah. balls. Like on the range, the the you know. Um, Oh, that's right. The yeah, ice bucket was yeah, frozen. Club, the, the water. Yeah, like, club cleaners were, yeah. were all frozen. So we played with Chris, who's the GM. Um, God, one of my favorite people I've met in golf. Like he Chris was, Brown. Yeah. <laughs> Not he, that Chris Brown. Yeah. He uh, just, uh, um, I mean, super tall. Shout out to Randy. Shout out. Thank you. Um, but yeah, just, just a, he's been there. Like That was the other thing that really stuck with me. Everybody that we talked to has pretty much been there since the beginning and like the super and, and you know, helped. Shant shaped the course. Just a really like, you could tell it's a special place. The owners are, you know, they met us there. They're super involved with the place, and it's like a labor of love. Um, but yeah, Chris was fantastic. But like having that local knowledge was absolutely like essential. Yeah, I um, think that that might be the mo- the episode I'm most excited to come out. I think that's going to be some really good stuff. And the par fives are just oh my god out of control. Par fives. Yeah. par fives. I was like the biggest takeaway was I can't. Like think of a more engaging and fun set of par fives that I've ever played. Like, and the we played with one of the, the assistant pros there, and she was telling us like, he always gives you a route that is like cut it off. You want to cut it off? Like play the left side of this fairway, and you can cut off the big hazard. You can carry this all over, and it gives you a safe route. And like, yeah. and all of the options. <laughs> do and stuff. not do this. You, he, he you gives can you, if you want. He yeah. gives you Don't a safe it. word. Uh, it was <laughs> just so word. fun. I was. Honestly, I you hear so much about Tobacco Road going into it. I was nervous to be let down, and I felt like, like, yeah, you, like, I'm just supposed to like this. Like, I have to. Everyone loves it, and I liked it even more than I thought I would. I, I honestly thought he could have dialed the crazy up even a little bit more. People say that it's the craziest golf course. I didn't find it that that crazy. Maybe just because I was programmed going into it to know that it was going to be. You also different. consistently get the ball airborne. Well, which yeah, probably but helps. A lot of those people don't. Yeah, that's true. But like, I just it didn't get weird weird until that one par four seventeen. What was it sixteen? The dog leg yeah. left. That, that one was, was, that was a little. That, that was a weird yeah. hole. Uh, but yeah, it was like it could have gotten even funkier. Um, I, I loved it. I thought it was freaking amazing. I can't wait to go back. I'd love to play it. Great uh, finishing hole. Great yeah. finishing oh, hole. I mean, it just it great had clubhouse, so many rustic. layers. Yeah, yeah there's just, a big there's a big fireplace in the middle of the clubhouse, yeah. and you just like these big leather couches around it. Um, I just, just love celebrating different things in golf. Like that was bold. That was aggressive. It it was gonna piss some people off and for a place that like 
you know, relies on people showing up and paying a green fee to, to keep it going. It's not the easiest thing to support. Like a lot of people make golf courses to make a ton of money off of. And I just didn't feel like that's what this was. And I love that. So. One thing to note too. So we, we ended up playing tobacco road a day later than we had anticipated. We got rained out. And we were, we were exceptionally lucky with the weather, uh, considering the time of year, especially, you know, early to mid November there for the second leg. But we went to the Tufts archives, uh, the second to last day, which was, which was a treat. Yeah, that's like, it's the entire history of Pinehurst and Donald Ross just kind of rolled up into, into one building. And if you're ever in Pinehurst, like it's it's a really cool way to go spend a morning or an afternoon when you don't don't have uh, anything to do. We're sitting there in the the secretary of the Donald Ross Society. He's like in the in the archives doing doing some research there. And it was just a, it kind of brought it all to life. I mean, really, otherwise with like Carolinas, I know we 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 skipped. A, a large portion of the region uh, as, as far as mountain golf. One of the reasons for that is just, it's just a lot of like private, you know, there's Diamond Creek and uh, Wade Hampton and there's some good Ross courses up there, Biltmore, Forest and... Um, there's a lot, yeah, we, Gap, we couldn't, we couldn't but, cover it all, yeah, of course, but I feel like we captured, you know, what at least part of what the vibe is like for golf in the Carolinas and yeah. different different flavors, different tastes, different people. We're excited for people to see it. It will be premiering Tuesday. I think we're going to go evenings for the premieres um, for the next com- for the upcoming season. Tour Sauce Season 5 presented by our partner Original Penguin on uh, Tuesday, January 28th, Episode 1. It's going to be a 10-episode season. And look forward to seeing how it plays out and who takes home uh, all the money and how they spend it. That's going to be the, the fun money, part. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to an extra lengthy episode of the podcast and uh, back with the regularly scheduled programming this coming weekend. Cheers. 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 Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. Johnny, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Expect anything.